Hello and welcome back to The Loyal Sun Show. That's at The Loyal Sons on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for Pit Sports content you won't want to miss. If you love decoding Pat Signal emojis and hate burning down history, tradition, and parody for bigger TV deals, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix. Brought to you by Rendine Consulting, providing investment managers assistance with technology integration. Today is Monday, July 18th, and... Finally got some big boys. Couple linemen. Couple linemen. We're a little late on uh, the train for that last official visit weekend uh, of June. However, that does not mean that we can't speak very unintelligently about it and its implications. At first when you said we got some big boys, I thought you were saying big guests. Because we have Carlo and uh, Pete coming on. That is, yeah, that is, is I meant Big more, episode. I meant more physically large, um, you know, like 300 pound club. I know Carlo tells us that he got compared to Eddie Lacy uh, <laughs> on the internet, which is a little sneak preview for you guys. Pretty mean that, too. That's pretty mean, yeah. But uh, I'm more referring to the four offensive linemen uh, that Pitt has snatched up. Uh, since June 26th, which is great because before that we had zero offensive linemen in the class of 2023. I think that was the elephant in the room. Some people started to worry about it, but you knew we would eventually get some linemen just because the obvious recruiting pitch, our entire offensive line is leaving after this season. So come here and play football. Yeah, and, and you know, we don't have to spend too much time and attention on it because again this was two three weeks ago but uh yeah um the first domino fell with colin van roy out of strongsville ohio and then to ryan coretta out of columbus ohio uh the cool thing about coretta other than him being i believe the uh, most highly vaunted offensive lineman we've gotten so far is he actually recruit he he committed um on his way home from a visit at michigan state so he wasn't even at Pitt when they fired off that pat signal. I have to imagine Narduzzi, probably when he had Coretta on campus for his visit, was like, oh, you're going to Michigan State. Here's what they're going to tell you. Boom, boom, boom. East Lansing sucks. Don't tell go a bunch, there. Tell a bunch of BS. I lived in East Lansing for this many years. I'm not going back. You shouldn't either. And then the kid went. <clears throat> all the stuff Narduzzi told him was true. And he got in the car and said, I'm coming to Pitt. So... Yeah, big land. He's a big boy, as you said. Some big boys. He's 6'5", 318. That's like... Not small. Bigger than me and Squid put together. Yeah. 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 Damn near. <laughs> no, 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 it is. It is. <laughs> Unless you've gained like 10 pounds. <laughs> and that's not even the most impressive Pat Narduzzi, Servassier Dennis Memorial, drop your nuts play of the recruiting cycle, because days later... Um, we landed Philip Daniels, Cincinnati, Ohio. So that's three uh, offensive linemen out of Ohio. They must be feeding them boys uh, Cane's Skyline Chili and uh, and Grater's Ice Cream. But um, Philip Daniels was calling Pat Narduzzi to let him know that he was committing to Minnesota. And by the end of the call, committed to Pitt. Hell of a salesman Narduzzi is. I'd love to know 
what he told his parents because I'm sure he was like, hey, I'm picking Minnesota. I'm going to call these other coaches to let them know I'm not going to their school. And he goes into his room, comes back out, and was like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to Pittsburgh instead. Yeah, Dad was like, yes, yeah, it's the real mature thing to do, give those coaches a call. Yeah. And by the time, the, the end of the phone call with Narduzzi, he was, he was a Pitt Panther. I'd like to imagine his dad already bought some Minnesota gear off of, like, Dicks.com or... Uh, Homefield. Something like that, yeah. I'm sure Homefield has some pretty cool Gophers stuff. So what, what do we think he could have possibly said? How long do you think this conversation went on? I have so many questions. I I wouldn't want to say no to Pat Narduzzi. I wouldn't want to be, uh, you know, being the the bearer of bad news to him. So well, We're talking about Pat Narduzzi being like an intense guy on the phone. Imagine P.J. Fleck. Imagine calling P.J. Fleck or hearing P.J. Fleck find out that, yeah, I told you I was going there, uh, talked to this other coach for like half an hour, and now I'm going to go there instead. P.J. Fleck is a psycho. He got some bad PR lately. Um, One of his former players was on Twitter and talked some mad cash on the Minnesota program, but if you, like, boil down everything he said, it was like, they said that I would play, and then I didn't. Yeah, he said his college football coach was crazy and lied to him. Wow. Breaking news. Well, hey, if, if... they want to give him that reputation, and it helps us land 6'5", 272-pound uh, offensive lineman with the frame to put on a couple more pounds. I'm not going to complain. We'll take him. We'll take him. Finally got some big boys. Uh, Ty Ray as well from uh, Apopka, uh, Florida, 6'6", 280. Uh, and then to round out everyone that we have snagged since the last time you heard from us, Jesse Anderson, receiver from Fort Lauderdale, projects as a member of the secondary. And then Lamar Seymour, who committed a few hours ago, there's a lot of belief in close circles that we followed a little bit too closely that he was one of the secret commits, uh, and that is correct, apparently. Yep, he's confirmed, he's locked in. He was a Miami commit, and we flipped him. So that's always always a good sign when you're flipping uh, conference rivals getting them out of their home state, getting them up to Pittsburgh. So watch some of his highlights, his huddle highlights. I try to tune in, especially the skill players, the linemen. I don't know enough about football, to be honest, to break down any lineman tape. But watching... Are they large, yes or no? Are they large? How many small children do they bury? Exactly. Do they have that dog in them? All all valid uh, traits that we're looking for. But with receivers, it's pretty easy. Do they catch the ball? Do they make guys miss? Are they faster than everyone on the field? And Lamar Seymour, uh, he checks all those boxes. So very fun highlight. Would suggest it. Check it out. And I'm excited about him. Uh, anytime you can get a guy from Florida up to Pittsburgh, Pitt does very well in the state of Florida. But especially a guy that Miami's recruiting, there's a lot of those guys that they kind of get passed over by the Miamis and the Florida States, but when you can win that recruiting battle, go into Florida and get a guy up here, that's always a, a great sign. Easy segue here. Can we now talk about another wide receiver from Florida who has an extremely impre- impressive highlight tape, who also visited Pitt, Hakeem Williams? I feel like he hasn't had enough face time on this podcast. I know we're trying to keep our expectations low. That's exactly why we haven't talked but about him. I feel like it's real. The hype is real. Will he come here? Didn't we already say? Didn't we talk about going to Fort Lauderdale? For you, his, you know what we did. How about first decision that? day? <laughs> but that was before he visited. 
And by all accounts, the visit went really great. He was on IG Live showing Charlie Partridge looking like a boss, dancing in the locker room. He was all over the city. His family seems to love Pitt. He seems to love Pitt. My only worry is that we can't match the, the dollar figures that a Georgia or a Texas A&M throws at him. This is true. and But I'm actually more optimistic on this than most. Um, I, in my soul, feel like he might be a pit lean, and that is based on nothing other than what I'm... His mom's tweets. His mom's tweets, yeah. That's uh, exactly correct. But you gotta think, like... Georgia's kind of got a lot of mouths to feed via NIL. A lot of, a lot of four stars, a lot of five stars. And I kind of feel like the powers that be, you know, pit boosters that would then be, you know, in charge of getting these kids their sponsorships, they can kind of put their eggs in one basket on this one, you know? I'd be okay with that strategy. Get our typical above-average ACC recruiting class in every year, just throw a bunch of NIL money at one guy who was top 100, likes Pitt a little bit, gets attention, close the deal. Georgia also hasn't had a receiver have 1,000 yards since, I believe, 2002. And he got it by about 11 yards in his bowl game. I don't think they have a single regular season 1,000-yard uh, receiver. 11 yards, he had 1,004. Who was it? Season. Terrence Edwards. That is not a name I've ever heard before in my life. Yeah. I don't think they have a regular season 1,000-yard receiver. And that's the only 1,000-yard receiver in their history, or in the last 60 years. I don't know if anyone was getting 1,000 yards prior to those 60 years. I but don't know A.J. Green didn't do that. A.J. Green had 963. Yeah. I don't know if he was hurt a couple games or what. You listening, Hakeem? You want to have a 1,000-yard season, you better not go to Georgia. Pitt might have three this year, for all we know. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I mean, did Gavin Bartholomew die? I, I, I assume I said receivers, okay, tight ends yeah. aren't included. Fair, fair, fair. No, I, I'm a little bit optimistic about Hakeem Williams. You, you touched on. It. Apparently, the visit went as well as humanly possible. Um, obviously, tall hill to climb. I we've been fooled by moms tweeting positive things in the past, but I don't get the sense that it's all about the NIL for him. Uh, in fact, they lobbed some criticism, uh, you know, a little, little bit of shade on Twitter when reports came out this week that one Jordan Addison, uh, USC Trojan, was displeased with the disparity between what was promised to him and what has thus far been delivered during his time in Los Angeles. And they, they kind of you know, his mom especially went off about, you know, loyalty and, and chasing big deals, you know, when you have a good situation. And, and Hakeem uh, chimed in as well. But I guess while we're on the topic, do you guys have any thoughts about this report? <laughs> Whoever could have seen this coming? Oh. Who would have thought that scumbag boosters in L.A. were scumbags? How could this happen? I'm not going to comment too far on it, but can't say I feel very bad. And I can't say I'm very surprised. It's the the nature of NIL is that there are no rules. That's what we've been saying the whole time. And it does make you think, what's going to happen when a booster does something like this, tells Jordan Addison they're going to give him $3 million in a house, whatever the deal ends up being, and he gets out there and checks are bouncing. 
can't get in touch with this booster. Who do you report that to? I'm actually curious. You can't go to the NCAA or the police even. Like, it's... My, my, you gotta find a lawyer, hopefully. You sign some documents. So my thought but is... But still... You still can't... Whatever contract he has in place, I feel like a lot of this had to be handshake and verbal agreements before he actually transferred because you aren't allowed mm-hmm. to discuss with a player. Yeah, and he hasn't hasn't had like an NIL deal in LA come out in terms of like the paperwork and the stuff that you have to register. Correct. So a lot of this had to be verbal and or handshake agreements and I mean, how how far does that go? In the in the court of law, I'm no lawyer. Uh, it doesn't. But I'd have to think it doesn't go very far. So now Jordan Addison's in LA and who knows, maybe he won't get all that money he was promised, but that's the nature of the beast. Um, pretty scummy thing to do. It could also just be anything outside of the actual money, like playing time, access to facilities, access to any of the non-monetary gifts that he was rumored to be promised. House isn't as nice. He didn't realize a $2 million house in L.A. doesn't get you uh, quite what it would get you in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I I mean, I do, do want to be empathetic to Jordan Addison against... He All was a friend of the impulses. pod. Friend of the pod, yeah. Was. Because um, he, he... Ex-friend. Backstabber. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he, he's a kid who saw a dollar value. Although, you know... I think we've all agreed that we probably would have taken that money as well. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Uh, I just I just can't imagine, you know... What did you think the the guys that were scummy enough to hand you a blank check while you were on another team? Like, what did you think their level of integrity was going to be? It's like when you you date someone who cheated on their previous significant other with you, and then the relationship doesn't go well. Like, no shit, they've been that person this whole time. That was a Bill Simmons-esque, like, comparison. Life comparison. I like that. If, it would have been a Colin Coward-esque analogy if it was a divorce instead <laughs> any reference to a divorce but yeah i i just i know you're 20 but head on a swivel kid but anyway back to back to hakeem williams he doesn't seem to be about that you know he he has at least represented himself as someone who's in it for more than just dollar figures and and perks before we move on i'd like to come clean about something i was burned bad in the past by following pit recruits moms on Twitter and taking their word on what their child would do in the past you know that video where after the US killed Saddam Hussein and they go like ladies and gentlemen we got him yeah yeah. Uh, I think they captured him because they publicly hanged him I think think Iraq killed him not to get too in the weeds okay. which they did so on TV like I was 8 watching I watched that. his execution when I was in like elementary school <laughs> we'll keep going more on that later <laughs> can we circle back to that there's probably a lot of shared trauma in this room that we could dig into look all I know it's, it's a viral meme kind of funny clip on the interweb so I had the bright idea of putting don't tell me you put a parent, I, a parent on Saddam Hussein <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it was the interview clip uh, the press conference clip of them saying, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. I put Jeff Capel's head on that guy and Epton Reed's mom on the guy next to him. I remember that. And oh, I, was, no. I was planning to tweet that once Epton Reed committed. He did not. <laughs> and I stumbled upon it in like my laptop 
like files like way back in the day. So uh, yeah, I'm not quite getting burned by pit Twitter moms again. I'm not letting it happen. Did we recycle that meme at one point? I think we did it for Elliot Donald. Just know that that will be getting recycled if High Cam commits to pit. Yeah, it'd be it'd be coming full circle. Because Hakeem Williams would mean a lot more to the University of Pittsburgh than I think, especially now having seen him play a season at LSU, Efton Reed ever could have. Correct. Efton Reed's a bum. Bum who sucks. But we don't we don't talk shit on. They're just kids. They're just kids. Correct. They're just kids. No. Um. So I don't think we could understate it. But how how big of a get? Squid's been trying to turn this lamp off for the last two minutes. Squid. You're just wandering around your kitchen. It's a, it's a fan, and the string that controls the pace of the fan has a picture of a fan on it. I was looking for the light switch. You see, it's the one with the light on it. So there's like, no there's switch for that. Literally thing. an engraved... There's no switch on the wall? There is, but it can... All right, I think we need to give you a break. Can we can we get back to the the show? We're okay. Okay. I was concerned about the audio. I was just about to ask um, what Hakeem Williams' commitment would mean to Pitt, but now I I just kind of feel thrown. It would be good. It'd be good. <laughs> I agree. Looking All forward right. to it. <laughs> Great job, guys. Since we were last together, as many of you know, college football was shaken up quite a bit by another round of realignment with USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. You, dear listener, have probably heard this topic discussed to death. It is old news, but it would appear that the dust has sort of settled on realignment. Uh, Reports coming out today that the SEC is going to sit at 16 for the time being. And the Big Ten is also waiting on uh, Notre Dame to make a decision before uh, they make their next move. So we're basically waiting on the Pac-12 and Big 12 to decide who gets to eat each other while the ACC sits on the grant of rights. How do we feel about what this means for Pitt and the ACC? And are we scared that the sky is falling on college football? I'm kind of glad we didn't do an episode prior to this because about a week and a half ago, I think we all were pretty worried that Pitt finally got good at football again and college football was going to collapse and Pitt was going to be stuck in some second-tier conference with the likes of Syracuse, South Florida, Maryland, just name a bunch of middling Power 5 and non-Power 5 schools. Former Big E schools. So, former Big E schools. UConn. Yeah. I, I can't wait for the Pitt-UConn Thursday night game. Maybe Temple Navy. All that being said, it does kind of feel like we are in a in a good spot because of the grant of rights. I think my big worry was that Clemson will leave and that's just the end of it. I don't know how desirable or likely it is that other ACC schools will get poached. I don't know, the worry was that we aren't towards the top of ACC schools that will be coached or not high enough on the totem pole to make the cut. Uh, Now it seems like there's a little bit more security in the ACC. So back down to earth, but still cautiously waiting for another hat to drop and then being back into the 
running around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to figure out what's happening. It's kind of that thing in the back of your head that you've just suppressed and the season will start and I'll not worry about it and right. be happy and then something something else will come out, another domino will fall and then we'll be staring, staring it right in the face again. This whole time I've been saying just get through this off season, no more drama with schools leaving their conferences. Let Pitt get another ACC championship and then the SEC will be gobbling us up. You know, you know, Tom Fernelli kind of agrees with you. They had a very Pitt-specific segment on the Cover 3 pod, um, and Tom Fernelli was talking about, actually, everyone's saying Pitt Big Ten, cultural fit, play style fit, academic fit, but he was saying how, you know, if the Big Ten's going to cover the entire map, the SEC might as well try to do it, and Pittsburgh might be a decent market to step into. Well, the idea, right, is it's not about so much those academic and geographic fits anymore. It's about TV. TV markets. How many households, how many TVs can you connect to with your conference? Can you get the SEC network? Does all of Pittsburgh now want to get the SEC network on Comcast? Uh, No, no, we've had it. I've been watching the SEC network longer than I... True. The ACC it's network. been around longer than the ACC network around here. So I've been watching Mississippi State spring games for years. Right, right. And But this is all kind of part of an argument that is about a week old and so is therefore ancient history. You know, the where would Pitt fit in. I think people are starting to realize, and the national media very much ignored, just how strong the grant of rights is. The amount of, how not worth it it would be for a lone school to try to get out of the ACC. That is a lot of money, and it would take a lot of years to make it back. If you're not familiar, it is, and I'm not a contract attorney, however, it is a agreement that runs until about 2036 that makes it financially straight-up irresponsible for anyone to try to leave the ACC unless over 50% of ACC members vote to dissolve the agreement and therefore essentially the conference so basically all these other if the ACC were to dissolve in the next couple years it would require all of these other conferences to work together to basically say like alright I got NC State you got Pitt um, you guys get uh, Florida State and Miami and then and then we get Clemson too and then say ready break and then all of those schools turn around to the ACC and come the pound salt so to Simplify that for Pitt fans. Imagine how irresponsible it would be to fire Jeff Capel because of his buyout, but on a scale of the ACC and school level, right? Yeah, but if his buyout lasted 14 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so when you put it that way, I feel pretty good about where Pitt is, but at the same time, I feel like this could all blow up in one, in, you know, one full swoop. That being said... Our contract being till twenty thirty six, as opposed to, I believe the Big Twelve or the Pac twelve is, a, is running up in twenty twenty four, which yeah. is why USC and UCLA made this move. But I will say the thought of Pitt playing in the SEC had me had me laughing. Uh-huh. We would be immediately the biggest SEC homers of all time. Oh, you couldn't tell me. You couldn't tell me shit. If Pitt was in the SEC... Not a damn thing. Making road trips to Tuscaloosa, Baton Rouge. Imagine imagine having a Georgia Bulldogs walk in the North Shore on Saturday. To get their teeth kicked in. Get their heads blown off. Oh, all those frat boys in their uh, 
watch it. They're they're Georgia polos. They're what are those hairstyles called? And those pants called? And they're Sperry's. I don't know. You would know better than I would. I am not going to. You can help picture the exact person. My I'm people. You know exactly who I'm describing. You're picturing the same person I am. They'll be confused why we're all wearing jerseys and they're yeah. all you know wearing three piece suits and grilling a grilling a full pig in the middle of the gold lot. Honestly, though, SEC tailgates making up the Pittsburgh would be the greatest cultural import we've ever made. You think we could sell them on icy light? As like a peace treaty, mango, icy light, mango. We could, we could. I, I, I think we could buy full continents with icy light. Like we, you know, Thomas Jefferson had to pay however much for the Louisiana Purchase. If he just had a couple cases of icy light, I think the French would have been all over <laughs> that. Clean that up real yeah, quick. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think the the belief now is that the ACC is. In an okay position as far as not getting poached and falling into a crater. Uh, I don't want to get too confident because I've thought a lot of things about college football and the direction it would go that were very wrong. However, uh, I, I do think this buys us at least time. And that is so big for Pitt, a program that just had a massive rebrand and is finally picking up some steam both in terms of you know, fanhood in the city and being a good football program. And it's a pretty good sports athletic department in general. We've got a lot to offer now. We're not bottom of the barrel on everything like we were maybe like a decade ago. One thing that has come of this is Notre Dame, who I despise, is actually maybe helping Pitt a little bit by just staying put. And their their obsession with being independent yeah. and different and just being Notre Dame. Yeah. Absolute pain in the ass. But in this case, you know, if Notre Dame panicked and which they have no need to panic, they're gonna have no, plenty of teams. And they, they know they have all the time in the world. Right. If they were to jump ship and just say, We're gonna go the big time. That puts some pressure, I feel, on the SEC. SEC would be fine, but maybe the SEC goes, all right, we're going to make another move. We're going to go get Clemson. And we're going to make it worth it for Clemson and Miami. Right. So in a case like that, it it could get pretty interesting. But Notre Dame stays put. The SEC stays put. Maybe two years from now, we're looking back and we're like, remember when we thought the the world was ending and college football was over? Actually, the Pac-12 just lost two teams and the Pac-12 wasn't any good anyway so right so you know what would suck we talked about how cool it would be to go to the SEC we'd be the biggest SEC homers if we go to the Big Ten I would have to walk back a lot of takes that I had about how weak that conference <laughs> is and how every team oh yeah just beats up on all the crappy teams they get nine wins like it's a we it's would a have to walk. delete some tweets yeah because then that would just be paid we'd be getting Nine, ten wins by beating up Northwestern, Rutgers, and I'd be through the roof, but I was making fun of all those teams for doing it in the past. I will say, as far as, like, if we were to make a jump to a big conference and and we still wanted to compete, uh, I do think, as long as we have Pat Narduzzi, every, stylistically, every Big Ten team outside of Ohio State plays right into his hands where nobody can throw a football and they just pack the line and try to jam it down your throats because I mean we saw it the last couple years nobody runs on pit you have to take shots 
And I, I don't know if you've watched the Big Ten in the last 30 years, but uh, not a ton of shots outside of that uh, that school in scarlet and gray. It's early July, and I'm pretty sure a week ago in our group chat, I said that Pitt would have beat Michigan this last week, and Michigan was like the best they've have ever been and made the playoff. And I that was my exact reasoning. I said something similar just yeah. to kind of piss off our one friend that went to Penn State, but I, I kind of believe it. Oh, we would. I'm just, it would I'm be just a game. Over, it would I'm, be a game. I'm just over here picturing us playing Ohio State, it, though. It would be no. It would be <laughs> so. It would be 75 to 68. It'd be like the delete that game. <laughs> double back, double back. It would be the Pitt Syracuse game. That being said, Pitt playing the Big Ten, they'd get to play Penn State every year. I would think they they wouldn't be able to be unrivaled anymore. Right, they'd have a rival of them. Yeah. Playing Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State. Pretty cool road trips, all that. I mean, but if we're talking about travel destinations, the SEC is a little bit better. If we can go to Tuscaloosa, Baton Rouge, Knoxville, I'd like to go back to Tennessee. I I think going to LSU in late November beats going to Boston College or uh, like East Lansing or any other. I don't know why I included Boston College in that. I was going to say all those boring Big Ten schools. I'm not going to go to Boston Perth. College does feel kind of feel like a Big Ten school. Because it's boring and they suck? Correct. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Cold. So. Lame city. They so I guess. In Boston. Boston College. I think they are in Boston. I mean, maybe. You know, because of the. You can tell it's in Boston because of the way it is. You know? Depends on what I just said. Okay. Then, then we'll, we'll move on from there. To kind of wrap it up. I want you guys to tell me. What teams you think would make sense for the ACC to to try to shoot for? Because I think we're all in agreement that it's one thing to continue to exist and have you know your your big names and keep them, but if you want to be a competitive conference, you might want to add a couple guys. Who would it would make the most sense for us to add? And who, if you were the commissioner of the universe, the teams that you would go for, just for fun? So like a realistic one and unrealistic. Exactly, yes. Well, I was trying to think of this the other day. I don't really know what teams are out there that would be available. I was thinking, originally I thought Central Florida, UCF. But I think they're going to the Big 12. So that kind of cancels out. I don't know, one of the Texas teams, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor. Do we go get one of them out of the Big 12? I don't know if that makes any sense for them. What about West Virginia, just so we can play them every year and not have to wait four years in between? Oh, they don't make grades, so... I'm done with the, the academics BS. Louisville's in our conference. Louisville, while not exactly, you know, Harvard, is compared to West Virginia. Why do we care? Why does the ACC care about academics? I don't know, but it benefits us so much. Like, is is a kid who was originally considering going to UVA not going to go there now because they play West Virginia in football every other year? I think I think there's a funding component to it. That's you're taking the exercise and making us think too hard. Okay, Dylan. so I would put West Virginia in the ACC. Okay, if I was the commissioner, I would put uh, Oregon. Oregon, yeah, no. Where'd they come? <laughs> Does it make sense? But if we want the merger, 
Okay, Oregon. They're in. Oklahoma State? No. Why? Why not? I don't want to remind. True. Oh, yeah. 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 That shameful day. How about Cincinnati? I would like to play. I would like to see. They, they, they would be on my realistic list and my wish list because I I want to load up on teams that could be like big fun rivalry games. For right. R- bring the River City rivalry back. That was yeah. yeah. Trophy. Yeah. There was a trophy for it. That means it's real. It's better. It's better than the Syracuse rivalry. Air quotes. That they or gave the us. civil conflict between UConn and uh, UCF. Correct. Yeah. Well, that's at least funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. UCF didn't even take the trophy when they won it, and they just kind of think they threw it away. Any other teams on your wish list? It sounds like you have a wish list. Honestly, not really. I put myself on the spot on this one, too. I don't know, part of me kind of thinks, like, what would be best financially and in the long run for the ACC would be to kind of try to do an all-coast conference and sell these guys on, hey... We're going to be stable for another 12 years. Like, our big dogs can't get poached by the other big dogs. We are we are your best bet for having, like... So, like, coast to coast? Like coast West to coast. coast that's East what coast. I'm talking about. Yeah. So East Coast Division, West Coast Division could be pretty cool. Yeah, and we would, you know... But only take the cool kids from the Pac-12, so... Uh, Oregon. Oregon, Washington, Utah. Stanford. Academics. Academics, bro. Yeah, you got me there. I guess, I guess Stanford. Well, I, by that logic, we'd have to take Cal too. Okay. No, only sports matter. Changed my mind. <laughs> I don't. F- them. So a crossover game. You have a uh, West Coast East Coast crossover game, but they're separated in their own divisions. Championship game is between the two coasts. They should put the championship game in like Kansas, like the most central. Well, that's what they do for yes. the uh, College World Series. Everyone goes to Omaha and they have a party there. We could do the Jello Shots Challenge. Yeah. And we would buy $400,000 worth of Jello Shots. And, alright, I think we're sold. Perfect. Ole Miss can do it. Save that clip, send it to ACC and Pac 12 commissioners. Oh, well, I think once they hear the Jello Shots, they'll be in. Want to go golfing with the ACC champs? Well, here's your chance. On July 30th, the Loyal Sons and Rendine Consulting will be hosting a pit football kickoff golf outing at Quicksilver Golf Course in Midway, Pennsylvania. Grab two buddies and sign up to have one of your favorite Panthers as part of your foursome, including Izzy Abanacanda, Jared Wayne, John Morgan, Dayon Hayes, Bengali Kamara, Sam Okanlola, and many more. Tickets and info can be found online at TicketLeap.com under the Golfing with the ACC Champs page or via the link in our Twitter bio. That's at the Loyal Sons on Twitter. The first tee time is at 12.30 p.m. on the 30th. DM us for more details. Please welcome to the show, Assistant Director of Player Personnel for your Pittsburgh Panthers, Carlo Zavko. Carlo, how are you doing today? What's up, guys? Glad to be on the Loyal Sons. I'm stoked about it. Uh, been waiting for the invite for a couple months now. My little brother <laughs> said he saw you guys, um, I think, out of Tennessee or something. Like, we need to get your brother on. I was like, I've been waiting for the invite. Never kept, 
Kept checking the DMs, nothing. Finally got the invite. Pretty stoked about it. So glad to be on, guys. Well, you're a busy man. We had to let you take care of the important stuff first and then come on the show. Yeah, you had a big June coming up. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but we're, we're glad we, we finally got you on. We're really pumped about it. Uh, we've been a fan of your work for a lot of years, actually. Uh, even before Pitt, you you ran the famed Whippeal Insider Twitter account. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, yeah. Started it with my best friend in college. Um, funny enough, we we started it thinking that it was my best friend Nick Leonello. He uh, we started it in college in our dorm room because we used to tweet about high school recruiting when we were freshmen in college, and. Uh, all of our buddies in college were like, guys, if you keep tweeting about high school, like, we're just going to unfollow you. We're like, fine, we'll, we'll make our own account. We're thinking it was going to get like 10 followers on it. And it just blew within like two months, had a thousand followers. I don't know how it happened. I always credit Tyler Boyd. Um, <laughs> Tim and Justin Watson were coming out that year. Justin had the South Fayette guys and Tyler Boyd had all the Clarendon and, and Pitt guys uh, getting followers to it. So I always credit those two to kind of get the snowball rolling on it. So. <laughs> right. And that, that blew up unbelievably quickly. I think you could probably think uh, the football crazed nature of Western Pennsylvania and the whip for that. Um, That's right. But we are baby. We love the high school sports. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I don't, I, I personally think it helped to kick off kind of a renaissance in Western PA football because it was the first medium of its kind. Uh, obviously there were the traditional journalists, uh, you know, the, the Mike White's guy junkers of the world who, uh, who are covering for, for newspapers, but this was the first outlet that was very much targeted towards students. Was that your intention when you started it to kind of zero in on the youth of the area? So that's, kind of a great point and we didn't even realize we were kind of doing it at the time like i said when we started this we started it because uh we just wanted to tweet about high school sports because that's what we love to do and uh you know we just love going to games love going to practices and all that um and really just became like a student athlete and really the the student sections of the western pa and the whippeo and that's kind of how it kind of grew and it grew with, with high school kids is, is what it did. And it was just always cool to look back and see, like, um, just thinking back, like when we were doing seven on seven tournaments and all that through would be one side and like all the high school coaches were all in on it as well, which was, which was really cool. And something we didn't expect, like we didn't expect to build these prospect lists and seven on seven tournaments. It was, it was cool when, when, when we were running it, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was a fun time, fun time, a little college time. So it was uh, just experimenting with new stuff, uh, see what worked on social media, and it kind of caught fire a little bit, yeah. Yeah, the seven-on-seven seven tournaments, uh, meeting with coaches, making the prospect lists are all important. But I think our favorite thing was the student section rankings that you did. Uh, by any chance, do you remember the 2013-2014 North Hills student section? So the, the, the student section power rankings were probably our funnest things to do back then. Um, and absolutely, the North Hill student section, I mean, it was nationally known. It was a lot of like USA Today and all that stuff. Yeah, um, I'm assuming you guys were, were the minds behind all that? We were, we were three of about uh, over a dozen people who were running that operation Dylan and myself and one of our good buddies, Drew Brown, were, were running yeah, the Drew, Twitter account. Yeah. 
and yeah. uh, and then John and and another big swath of our friends were in the front row, you know, working out the logistics of everything. So we we always had an eye to the sky for uh, Whipple Insider and its rankings. And um, if I recall correctly, we really ran the table on those. Oh, it was it was a landslide. Um, yeah, I remember Thomas Jefferson, the jungle always used to try to pop you guys. They used to always be in the DMs like, hey, how can we not be number one this week? South Fed, another one. How can we not be number one? I'm like, guys, I'm unbiased here. I'm, they're just, it was, <laughs> you guys did one. It was like a, I can't remember what the colors were, but it was like a blackout that you changed it to a red out like uh, before the game or something. It was it was uh, fade to pink. Everyone was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like five hundred dollars worth of pink powder and threw it up in the air before the game. Yeah, that's right. It changed. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, oh yeah. And it, it was. I don't know if it was worth the number one ranking because I think a couple kids almost suffocated. Like there was, <laughs> there was a little bit of concern there for a minute, and there was some liability out there. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, on the it following was, Monday, there were like. A dozen kids who were like, "Yeah, I've had this cough that was really bad. Uh, I wonder if it's related to that powder we threw up in the air and just sat in for hours." Yeah, all in their lungs. <laughs> but we got number one, so we got number one. Well, worked the number one rank. So it's kind of funny, you know. We obviously have that connection a little bit. Uh, now we are here. Look at us now. Who would have thought? You in your position with Pitt and us, at least a top 20 Pitt football podcast in the world. Uh, But I definitely at least top 100. Um, But so I I think we'd all really be interested here how you were able, how you got from Whippeal Insider to where you are now, because that's that is a hell of a parlay. It, it, it honestly was. I, I still kind of look back and think, like, how the hell did I even do that? Um, really, it's just like when I was running Whippeal Insider, um, I remember I had a uh, – so I went to Duquesne University, and I had a sports marketing internship. And it was like one of the hardest sports marketing internships to get is with the basketball team, the men's basketball team, which is kind of like their bread and butter, um, or at least it was at the time. And uh, – I was one of the three people selected and I told them in the fall, like kind of October, November, kind of around the playoffs in Western PA. I said, listen, I'll work every single night, but I'm not working Friday nights. Friday nights are for Whippy inside of my high school football. And I, I loved the girl that hired me. And she said, well, this could turn into a full-time job. for you. So I think you're going to have to pick between your Twitter account or this internship. And I said, all right, <laughs> we're going Twitter. And, uh, and it was, I picked Whippy Insider and kind of, kind of had to say good luck to them with the internship deal. But uh, yeah, it was just, I, I, I was kind of obsessed um, with being the best at, uh, at really projecting prospects and projecting teams, really. And really my bread and butter was the team always trying to project who's going to win the Whippeal year and why and all this and all that. But to do that, you have to know the roster and you have to know the coaching staff. So I would study film and do all this crazy stuff. So I just started compiling lists of prospects ranked. And at the time, really not many people did it, or at least not many people did it on Twitter. <laughs> um, and I was sending them out to all these coaches. And uh, 
I remember I sent them, you know, I went to Duquesne, went down to their staff and gave them my list of all my Whitfield top prospects. And I remember they said, uh, you know, we would pay you like pretty good money for this list. Right. And I remember looking at the coach and I was like, are you kidding me? I just sent that to like a hundred college coaches. It's like, I was like, you mean to tell me I could be making money from this? Um, but in that, you know, one of the guys I sent it to was the Pittsburgh area recruiter at the University of Toledo, which was Jason Candle. And at that time, um, these colleges could do all these satellite camps, um, any city, anywhere, at any time, which the NCAA has kind of reined back on those roles a little bit. But Toledo came to Duquesne to recruit Pittsburgh. So I met Jason Candle there, you know, gave him a couple prospects. And he said, when do you graduate? I was like, oh, actually, next spring. He's like, man, when I'm a head coach, I'm going to give you a call. I said, oh, okay, well, here's my business card. And then fast forward six months, he was the head coach at the University of Toledo. And I remember getting a call from an Ohio number. It was like 1.20 in the morning. I was looking at my roommate. It was like a Tuesday or Wednesday night. I was like, oh, Ohio's calling. You think it's Jason Candle at Toledo? And he started laughing. I picked up the phone and said, hey, is this Carlos Oscar? I said, yeah. I said, this is Jason Candle at Toledo. I said, holy smokes, it actually is Coach Candle. Um, so, yeah, he hired me to kind of help him recruit Western Seattle. I will always uh, be grateful for him. I still talk to him to this day. Um, but yeah, he kind of, you know, took a chance on the kid. And more importantly, he was a man of his word. You know, a lot of coaches just tell me when I'd give them this, hey, yeah, I'll do this for you, I'll do that for you. Nothing comes of it. Jason Candle, man of his word, uh, took a chance on me. So I'll always be grateful for him there. But that's how I, how I got into college football. I graduate assistant at Toledo right when I graduated college. So that was spring of 2016. So Gotcha. And you were at Toledo for a year after that? But it really wasn't even a year. Um, I think I got to pit in that next May. So it was like 10, 11 months. I think I really not even because I think I started in like June or July. Um, but yeah, it wasn't even a year. And then, uh, yeah, pit called and got an interview and had to come. As soon as I got the job, I, I kind of knew, yeah, I mean, I got to go to pit. This is a... <laughs> hometown school been growing up my whole life root for no brainer here so but yeah um, that's kind of what i was gonna ask next so you did grow up a pit fan you've always been you know kind of blue oh yeah and gold. So, so um when i was growing up you know we went to pit football games um once or twice a year but really like it was like the heyday of pit basketball so you know i was like kind of all in on mm -hmm. pit basketball growing up like when i was in high school you know they were the number one senior tournament every year so <laughs> Um, that was, uh, you know, the, the zoo and the peak, uh, have my heart as well. No doubt about that, but yeah, but pit football, pit basketball my whole life, no doubt. So, um, being a, from Pittsburgh and being a pit fan, you know, seeing those, even in basketball, the backyard brawl games, and um, we've got a backyard brawl coming up in September. I wanted to ask being around the program and being around a lot of these guys, a lot of non-local guys, the team is, you know, we've, we've got some Western PA guys, but build of guys from all over. Do you think they have a sense of how important that game is to, to Western Pennsylvania? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Our, our guys are well aware of the rivalry and, and, and how deep it goes and all that. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to getting them uh, back on the schedule here. So, uh, 
Yeah, it's been been too long since we played West Virginia. So yeah, I'm, September first, I'm looking forward to it as well, no doubt. Backyard brawl is an iconic rivalry, but a guy that you worked with and has been around the pit program for a long time, also iconic, uh, Coach Junko. Uh, what was it like working with him? And I know that you got to have a good story about all those years of uh, chopping wood with him. Coach Junk is my absolute guy. I love that man. Um, my office was right next to his, um, which was awesome. You know, we, we had a, a great chemistry in the recruiting staff. I would say, you, you know, I'll go on record and say this, the recruiting staff, I would say is the tightest bunch in the, uh, in the office. Um, we, uh, we definitely have a, a great time working together. And I think we work very well together as well. Um, but all of us are really close and Junko was absolutely part of that and maybe made, made the glue that held us all together. Um, you know, just the history that he gives you every single day. I mean, he would start going down at lunchtime telling recruiting stories back in 70s and 80s and how they used to do it here, how they did it there at TCU and here and Akron. Um, he would just go on and on. And it was just truly amazing how much detail he could get into um, from decades ago recruiting. And uh, it was a <laughs> it was a treat to work with that man for five or six years, however long it was. Um, you know, he's, he still stops in the facility every once in a while. I just seen him at our seven-on-seven seven tournament, so I was talking to him for a while there. But, uh, you know, I'll always call him, check in on him. Uh, we're supposed to go get lunch soon, so uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's such a key part of this pit program. You know, he was he kind of was always there. Him and Chris LaSala were always there, even, you know, for the last 20 years. So, uh yeah, junk, Junk's my guy. I will give a little recruiting story um, for Junk. His, his, I would say this was one of his favorite stories would be a uh, Rod Rutherford recruiting story. I guess it was the night before signing day or the weekend before signing day, whatever it was. Um, Rod was about to decide, and he would say, now nobody would ever outwork me, boy, okay? You understand now? You understand we say, yeah, John, we understand. We understand. Okay, so I go into the home visit now. Okay, you understand? Yeah, John, we understand. I leave the home visit. Okay. Coach Joe Paterno goes in right after me. Well, I sat in my car, waited for Paterno to leave, and then went back, knocked on the door. I said, no, 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 Rod, I'm getting the last word in this recruitment. So um, he, that was probably his favorite recruiting story was uh, – <laughs> was him just always getting that last word. He was willing to do whatever it took to uh, to make sure his presence was felt on, on all these recruits. So, uh, yeah, Junk's legend, a lot, lot to learn from Coach Junko. He could write a book, and it, should, it would be a number one seller, no doubt about it. Well, luckily for him, you know, in the early 2000s, I think Paterno probably still had like a 7 p.m. curfew. Uh, <laughs> so he had to – he probably didn't have to wait super long. Yeah, not too long there. <laughs> So where does where does he rank amongst the greatest uh, recruiters, both player and uh, coach, that you've had the opportunity to work with? Junk would definitely be up there. Now, Junk, 
he, he got a hold of the, the family members, the mom and dads now. I mean, everybody, <laughs> when they left their visit with Pitt football, they definitely remembered Coach Narduzzi, and they definitely remembered Coach Junko. Um, they all love Coach Junko. I would say, I'll give you this one. My favorite recruiter at Pitt, a little bit outside the box here now, would be uh, LaShawn McCoy. So the Clemson game, he was the honorary captain. And, uh, you know, when, when guys are honorary captains, you know, they speak to the team, they give a pregame speech and all that. It's, it's, it's a whole nice ordeal. Shady was worried about recruiting. Shady was working the sidelines the entire game for about two hours going up and down. And, you know, he, Shady don't know, like, all the kids that were recruiting, right? He's, he's just a Hall of Fame NFL or going to be a Hall of Fame NFL running back. But if he saw a kid with a name tag on that day, it didn't matter if he was, you know, four foot nothing or seven foot and 300 pounds. He was recruiting them like he was the number one pit recruit on the board. It was awesome. <laughs> um, and it was, it was uh, truly a sight to see. And, you know, he, uh, it, that just shows how much he, uh, how much he cares for the program, right? Um, so I, I always thought that was the coolest thing. Like, I, and I would say his recruiting pitch is pretty dang good now, so – Think there's a uh, room on the team for him? Yeah, we, we the we, recruiting we, team or the regular team. You know, we could use a fourth yeah, or fifth yeah, running he, back. He got a couple snaps, I'm sure. He's still in <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't hurt when you uh, can trot out honorary captains like Lashawn McCoy and Aaron Donald on a weekly basis. So, you, you know, I think it it tells the kids, you know, and even the current players here is like. When you play for Pitt, you, you're here forever. You know, they call them forever Panthers in the athletic department and the football team. And that, that truly is a real thing, like getting them back to tailgates, getting them back to games, keeping them involved, you know, golf outings, whatever it may be. You know, we care about keeping them involved in Pitt athletics. And uh, and I think that that goes a long way, longer than uh, a lot of people think it does. So, yeah, I mean, Aaron is uh, – is great. He's always around. He's working out the facility, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool when, when you come visit Pitt and you see a bunch of NFL uh, pro bowlers working out in the weight room. So. Yeah. So obviously having, you know, these all, all pro guys hanging around the program uh, helps in recruiting. I have to think team success as in winning the ACC championship helps in recruiting a little bit. How, how do you feel that, uh, recruiting this year for the class of 2023 has changed since, you know, since the big championship win. No doubt. Obviously it's, uh, it's cool just to take a step back and kind of, uh, you know, look at what you've been kind of telling these high school kids since like the 2018, 2019 uh, year, like after we won the coastal, like, Hey, we built the bridge now, you know, now it's, now it's, for you guys to get over that bridge. Um, and that was kind of like the recruiting pitch we've had since we won the Coastal in 2018. And then for all those guys on like that first really official visit weekend um, back in that summer of that 20, really is the 2019 class. Um, and for them to be such big contributors to the championship is uh, was truly cool to see. And, you know, Obviously, now you get to tell recruits, hey, you know, we just won the ACC. Now it's time to take it up in another level. You know, now it's the playoffs. Now it's the national championship. 
Um, so it's cool to to set goals, have them realized, and then you know set new goals and you know let's go crush them with uh, with more recruits, you know, and just continue to keep it rolling, get better and better every single year. I know we've noticed um, in the pictures that all the recruits tweet with the trophy, the championship belt, all that fun stuff. But uh, I'm sure you've seen that and heard a lot of different things about the perception of Pitt since that championship. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, it's always cool. You know, all these teams can, uh, you know, they can get new cars and all this crazy stuff for their photo shoots. And, you know, we'll, we'll just bring down the ACC uh, trophy. You know, we'll, we, we got championships to show off on our photo shoots. But, yeah, they, uh, they definitely love those photo, <laughs> those photo shoots. If you don't have a good photo shoot, you're not going to have a good – a good visit. So photo shoots are very key to every, every recruiting visit. <laughs> Love the ACC championship belt, by the way, is, is there like a second one of those that can be purchased yeah. and used as like a podcast studio background? Well, here's, here's the thing about that championship belt. If there is a second one to be purchased, it will be in my office. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> no, that was a uh, major up Chris Asala with that idea there. Um, yeah, that's been a, that's been a smash hit right there. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they did a really, really great job making that one. I don't want to leave the, the photo shoot thing just yet, because I know when you first started seeing, um, you know, recruits tweeting out their pictures of their official visits, it used to be like, you know, it looks like a picture taken off their parents' cell phone or a selfie they're taking with mom and dad. Mm -hmm. Now it's a full blown, you guys have got a full blown media team down there doing a full blown photo shoot how has that kind of evolved how have you have you seen that kind of move forward and like you said you have to have a good photo shoot to have a good visit oh yeah so it's um it just gets a little bit crazier every every year um you know the the thing with college football is everybody that works in college football is competitive right so uh so you know everybody's trying is keeping up with the joneses sometimes you know everybody's trying to continue to one up one up one up and uh it's become kind of a full-blown event on on your schedule. Like, hey, this is this is when we're doing a photo shoot. Like, uh, we need this amount of minutes blocked off for it. You know? So, but you know, it, it's fun. You have to have a good time with it. If you don't have a good time with it, then uh, then it's going to be a bad photo shoot. And you know, you have to make sure that the kids are having a great a great time themselves. So, all about keeping smiles on on people's faces. You know? It's interesting to see how social media driven uh, recruiting has become. Uh, yeah. Although I suppose you are the correct person to, uh, to feel that given your long history with, uh, you know, football as it pertains to Twitter, which we obviously uh, covered at length. No, no, no doubt. No doubt. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of one of those things where like kind of perceptions reality. So, you know, if, if recruits are, showing off a great time on social media, you know, other, other kids are seeing that as well, you know, you know, maybe they want to come see. So um, yeah, we, we work hard to make sure everybody has a good time. It wasn't exactly a photo shoot that you did, but you did get into the full pit uniform one time in a viral uh, social media tweet uh, that famous Halloween prank. Oh yeah. April Fool's. Uh -oh. So that was actually Coach Narduzzi's idea. Um, one of the who uh, said, "Hey, Halloween, let's uh, let's dress you up in in the mannequin, and start scaring people." And in my mind, 
you know, he was like, get, get in at 530, uh, dress up. You know, I want you first one in the building. I'm like, um, oh, man, I have to wake up, you know, 45 minutes earlier than I usually do. And we get, I was like, <laughs> let me get all dressed up with this. And then, uh, and then you know, it, it becomes one of SportsCenter's top 10. Do you know it's one of SportsCenter's top 10 most viral videos of all time on Instagram? And, like, they'll post, like, their top 10 every, like, couple months or whatever and it's always it's like number six or number seven now but then it's always fun to see me just getting roasted in the comments every, every single time i seen one dude with like why is eddie lacy scaring people with pit <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that so yeah you gotta have fun with it you know never take anything too seriously right <laughs> that's a brutal insult oh it got me cut me it cut me well, who do you think you got the best in that? Who had the best reaction or who almost like punched you in the face? You know what? We didn't have it on video. Um, he was the first one that I scared. We didn't even set up the camera yet. And this is when I knew it was going to be a smash hit. It was Coach Collins. Um, he legit squared up with me. He was like, oh, what's going on? What's going on here? I was like, Archie, Archie, it's me. <laughs> chill out, chill out. But we, we didn't get it on video. Um, it would have been probably the... Uh, Probably would have been the best one, but uh, but yeah, didn't didn't have the camera rolling just yet. He got in too early, working too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to have a little bit of fun on social media, and uh, again, you have a breadth of experience on the Twitter.com to yeah. be the man for that job. Uh, you're you're very heavily involved in in team social media, correct? Yeah, 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 no doubt. So one thing we've really noticed, and if you uh, find yourself pages deep on the layer, uh, which I do not recommend if you work for Pitt in any capacity, um, there's a belief that you can decode the emojis on some of your and Coach Narduzzi and Coach Partridge's tweets, especially the pat signals, and that there are Easter eggs um hidden in those emojis is that anything you care to comment on because there's a couple we think we have figured out hidden easter eggs i would say this is good this is good i would say yes yes there there may be some easter eggs and i may read some on on some forums that some of them like they might be onto something and then there's some that i read and they're like way off way off so it's kind of polar opposites but some of sometimes people people can can decode sometimes if or maybe it's a lucky guess i i don't know i don't know which is your favorite to tweet because there are the the eyes emojis people going there's crystal balls there's the whispers Pers- there's everything personally my favorite is to tweet the the hammers to the crystal balls mm-hmm. um because you know it's like everybody always counts us out and it's it's like if we if we can get kids up here and show them what the university of pittsburgh and the city of pittsburgh's about i mean it, it's hard not to enjoy this place it, it truly is a wonderful place to visit and see and i think sometimes people still think you know it's the 1970s steel city you know all this crazy stuff it's like no P- pittsburgh is beautiful you know and we have a great football team a great university to show off and, and you know it's fun to smash some crystal balls. That's what I'll say. It's fun to smash some crystal balls. 
Honestly, I never really put two and two together on that one, but that makes a lot of sense. We are we are rivals truthers. We believe that given the opportunity, um, rivals in 247 will dock a recruit points if they commit to pit, and given the opportunity, they will never ever see be us on a a prospect worth, you know, that that some of the bigger dogs are are taking a swing at. No, I don't know about all that, but I I, I will say this. It's it's fun. It's fun to be underestimated. It's fun to, to have people be surprised. So, you know, that's what we like doing. We, we like making sure everybody's happy. So you, you touched on the hammer and the crystal ball. One of my favorites is uh, the, the flexing emoji, which a lot of people believe is uh, offensive and defensive line. Would you, would you care to comment on that rumor? Um. Sometimes, and then sometimes not, you know, it, it really just depends on, on the player. Maybe they were flexing in their photo shoot. We've had that before. Um, so yeah, it, it all really depends. It all really depends. And sometimes it's just, Hey, whatever emojis look best, you never know. Um, but, but no, we always love, love seeing uh, the decrypted emojis. Those are always fun. Those are always fun. <laughs> Carlo, I'm going to need a screenshot of your recently used emojis and iMessage, and then we'll, uh, we'll we'll just put together, like, it'll be like hieroglyphics, and we'll just try to piece together what's going on in, in, in the, uh, you know, in the background behind the scenes. It, it makes sense. It makes sense. We're going to be like Charlie and always Sunny with a cork board and a bunch of strings pointing around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, Coach Parker's he he has some great he has some great ones for sure. Coach Underwood's getting in on it. Coach Underwood got some good ones too. Um, but no, no, we try to have a good time. Like I said, we try to just have a good time with it, you know. Yeah, keep smiles on going. faces. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. This conversation's really gonna confuse the hell of hell out of like whatever 70-year-old pit fans uh listening in. <laughs> Yeah, it it it, some, it confuses the hell out of me sometimes too. Um, you know, so so they're not alone. <laughs> well, Carlo, as much as it causes us stress uh, when you guys keep us guessing, you know, we love the uh, the amount that you guys have given us to to look forward to, uh, both with this recruiting class and the upcoming season. Uh, thank you so much for swinging by and giving us time you're on vacation right now i can't believe you were willing to talk about work for 30 minutes while on vacation i could never do it but we appreciate it greatly and we wish you the <laughs> no, best can, of luck with the rest i of the can summer. always talk pit football i can always talk pit football um, you know brings a big smile to my face but no i appreciate you guys having me on this was a blast this was a blast so yeah we're, we're gonna try to keep you guys uh keep you guys guessing on these emojis i'm gonna i'm gonna tell everybody up their emoji game a little bit more you know maybe add a couple more in in a couple new ones. How about that? <laughs> We'd love that. We'd love that. Keep the emojis, the gifts, keep them all coming. It's always good we're, news. So keep them coming. can't complain. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, gentlemen. I appreciate it. You got you guys have a great rest of your night. You too. Hell to pit. Do you. All right, Hell guys. Hell to pit. Hell to pit. Please welcome on to the show the publisher of pantherlair.com and one of the four, most foremost pit sports journalists in the city, Chris Peak. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We're doing great. Uh, we're, we're really happy to have you. You are uh, almost the godfather of 
uh, Pit Panthers media. So to have you here to talk about our favorite topic in the entire world, uh, quite the honor. <laughs> I mean, that makes me sound old. I mean, I know I'm older than, but I mean, like there are guys out there who are older than me, like Harry Paceris is older than me. So, and you know, he's, he's the guru. He was doing this before I was. So not Godfather, maybe just like God uncle. uncle. No uncle. Yeah. 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 Going. Okay. Fun uncle. The fun <laughs> uncle of pit sports. Yeah, that works. <laughs> so um, I think everyone's really familiar who, who at least listens to our podcast is really familiar with your work with the Panther Lair and, uh, and all the content that you and Jim Hammett put out. Uh, but I, I don't get the sense that, you know, there's a lot of familiarity with how that came to be. You're a pit grad. Uh, so obviously the love for pit sports is there, but how did you come to be the publisher of Pitt's rivals uh, platform? Yeah. Uh, so I graduated from Pitt in like 2001 or 2002, depending on what the diploma actually, or the degree actually says I, there was some <laughs> paperwork snafu, or maybe I just needed to take another class that took me into the spring of tw- uh, 2002 or whatever it was. But uh, so I graduated and I was just kind of like tooling around Oakland. There was a place back then called Schlotsky's Deli, like way back in the, the day. It's some Italian place on the corner of uh, Italian street food on the corner of Forbes and Myron now, but it was Schlotsky's Deli at the time. And I was working there and like a couple years out of college, I'm like, crap, like, what am I doing here? I just graduated with a, a college degree. I'm supposed to be doing something more than making sandwiches. And I mean, I was, I was good at making sandwiches. I made good sandwiches, but uh, so I'm trying to figure out like, what can I do? What do I want to do? I went to school for like English lit. I'm like, I don't want to be a teacher. That's not going to work. So, and that's basically the only thing you can do with that degree. So I'm like, well, I like to write and I like sports. So let's see what we can find out. And I start poking around. There was this monthly newspaper or maybe it was weekly. I forget called the Pittsburgh sports report. I started writing for them a little bit here and there. And somebody's like, well, you should check out this, this website as part of this network called rivals. So I started looking into it and this was like way back in the day, like when, it really was all like fan sites. I mean, that's what rivals was, you know, 2000, 2001, 2002, it was pretty heavy on fan sites. And that was a, that was sort of a, a reputation we had to work hard to shed. But so I reach out to these guys. I'm like, Hey, can I come write for you? They're like, sure. And so I started doing that in 2005, I guess. I think Dave Wanstead's first year was my first year on the site. And a couple of years later, the guy who was running, it was like, all right, I'm going to retire. I'm going to step down. Do you want to take over the site? I'm like, okay and so for the past 15 14 years i've been the publisher and it's uh i mean <laughs> certainly seen some things over that time i mean you guys know what the last 15 years of pit sports has been the ups and and the the downs and the weirdness but um yeah that's that's sort of the the origin story and, and it's been fun and it's like it's so funny because in the last like two years when everybody was figuring out about working from home, I'm like, guys, I've been doing this since like 2005. It's like, here, I'll, I'll, I'll show you the ropes. Here's what you need to know about working from home. Like, here's when you need to put on pants and here's where you don't need to. And, you know, and you look good from the top up and all that stuff. But uh, it's, it's, it's hard to complain about um, kind of being in charge of the site is cool. Although there's obviously responsibilities that come with that, but working from home. And, you know, I, I always joke that like, the only time I need to leave the house is to go to like games and press conferences. And so I could do a lot worse than that, you know? So it's been, it's been a pretty good ride. It's been fun and don't really see myself stopping anytime soon because it'd be pretty lame to go back to like a real actual job, you know? Coming from three people with nine to fives, I can, I can confirm for you that what you do is probably cooler and more fun than, than, uh, than being, you know, pencil pushers like us. So, so definitely recommend, keeping that up uh so you've you've worked for 15 years with pit athletics um 
is there a particular season, regardless of sport in that last 15 years that sticks out to you and was the most fun to cover, so to speak? I wasn't sure which adjective you were going to, you were going to go with there of like, what was the best one or what was the worst one? Cause the movie we've seen, you know, you, you could take your pick on, on the low end of the spectrum, whether it's, you know, some five and seven seasons in football or the 0 and 18, the, the Kevin Stalling second year, which the Todd Graham year was one of the weirdest things I've ever experienced, but you said on the good side. So yeah, yeah. We're, um, we're a safe and sunshiny place. Right. Right. Yeah. Athletics. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, the, the, the basketball seasons when they would get ranked number one and got number one seeds, it was a long time ago. And I think, you know, maybe we didn't even appreciate how good it was at the time. And it's only look, looking back of like, holy cow, that was amazing. They would be a top five team playing top five, top 10, top 15 teams, like seemingly every night, you know, with all the characters that were in the Big East at that time. That was that was pretty tremendous. I got to be honest, though. I mean, and I hate recency bias, but like this past football season, I mean, it was pretty easily the best football season I've covered at Pitt. I mean, the, the second best would be like 2009, which obviously had its like crushing defeat at the end of the regular season with the Cincinnati game. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a pretty special season to, to watch. There were some some great storylines. The whole Bill Stahl thing. I don't know if you guys remember, like Bill Stahl, like it, when, when they played Notre Dame, ESPN had this whole thing about how Bill Stahl's parents couldn't sit in the seats anymore because he was getting heckled so much and all this stuff. And there were storylines like that. And Dion Lewis was a freshman and Doran Dickerson finally did things. And Dave one said finally got over the top, but obviously the way it ended in the regular season was about as bad as it could get. Um, I don't know if there's been a single night that rivals what the night of the ACC championship game was. Um, this past year. And and I wasn't down there. I stayed here to do like the post game show. Jim Hammond went down and covered the game in person, but watching it on TV, following on Twitter, following on the message boards and doing the post game show after, I mean, I, I don't think there's been another moment that really kind of rivaled that there've been a lot of highs. There've been a lot of, you know, days where you go, wow, that was a really good day for Pitt. They got great commitments that night. DeMar Hamlin committed in 2016 and Aaron Matthews flipped from Penn state the same night in like January or whatever it was that was really exciting some of the big wins they've had obviously West Virginia in 07 Clemson you know the Penn State game in 16 I mean there have been big moments and big games but I don't think anything really comes close to what that Wake Forest game was and and how the game went and what it meant and just as I mean what a conclusion to a season that was I mean it was Pitt's best season in 40 years you know And, and I don't think that's a hyperbole to say it so it's it's funny to say, well, last year was the best year, but it, it kind of was. I mean, I, I can't really think of another single season that rivals what that season was because they pretty much accomplished everything. You know, I, I mean, obviously the Western Michigan game is the, the major blemish and, and the Miami game's bad. I think we've all sort of given them a pass for the Peach Bowl and rightfully so when you're down to your third quarterback. Uh, but I mean, it was about as good. As, I mean, it was the best season I've ever seen uh, from Pitt and you know, when you're, when you're talking about the best season in 40 years, it's hard to really rival that. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe a few years from now, we'll have a different perspective, but as I sit here right now, I mean, that's, that stands pretty much at the top of the mountain. Yeah. I remember on our drive back in our rented minivan from Charlotte, I sat there and read through like all 20 or however many pages long that game thread was. And it was funny in hindsight, but still so entertaining because everyone was up and down and down and up. So I would agree. I don't know if anything can top the roller coaster of a day that was. Uh, on the flip side, what was the biggest burn, the cathedral down, everything is horrible uh, moment that you've witnessed? Whether it was on the message boards or just 
overall? I mean, th- there's weird ones. I mean, so obviously recruiting is such a big part of it, right? So whenever it was 2012, I guess, with Robert Foster, when he committed to Alabama and everyone was guaranteed. I mean, like that was a, we used to have a thing on the board that would say like the day it would like keep track of like the most active users online at one time. And, and it was always like a game. You'd look and see what that date was. And it would say it at the top of the message board in our old board format. And it would be like, you know, most active users ever this date. And the, the one that, that stuck for a while was in 2000. I forget if it was after Wanstead or after Graham, when supposedly Tom Bradley was going to get hired to be Pitt's coach. I think channel four, I think reported that they were, that Tom Bradley was going to be the coach. Well, that was the record holder for the longest time until Robert Foster committed to Alabama instead of Pitt that morning up at central Valley high school. And that set the new record that I think stood until we no longer had that record. So that was one or no longer had that format on the board. So that was one that really, I mean, that was a big low point there. There've been recruiting losses that have, caused major board meltdowns but then like in terms of games i mean you know kevin stallings getting hired was a, a major disaster uh, on the boards but you know in, in games and losses i mean shoot western michigan last year you know i, I knew drove driving home i was like oh god this is just going to be a miserable week on the boards you know uh, but even before that like youngstown state although the youngstown state game i, I always tell this story it's funny because my my son my first son was born september 1st 2012 my wife went into labor like early, early that morning, one thirty in the morning. And so I was in the hospital, you know, with her and him <laughs> as this game's going on. And we didn't have whatever network that game was on in the hospital. So I'm watching it on Twitter and I'm like, what the, what is going on here? How are they losing to this team? And so that was a pretty big disaster. That was, that was a pretty big collapse. Um, you know, that awful 2018 Penn state game caused some major meltdowns. Um, you know, any one of Dave Wanstead's disappointing losses caused major amount. It, it's hard to pick one, just like it's hard to pick between like the 2007 West Virginia game and Clemson and Penn state in 2016 or Clemson this past year or wake forest. I mean, there are a lot of high points and it's hard to pick that one that is the worst or what that is the best. It's also, I think hard to pick that one that is the worst because you know, it's, it's a message board and meltdowns come uh, when, when they're merited. And so probably the most recent one was that Western Michigan game. And, and that was one where I was even in the press box, I was like, Oh, this is just going to be, this week is going to be, a disaster. I, I can't even fathom. And really the rest of the season, I don't know how they recover from this, but the fans are going to be a disaster. So I mean, obviously it turned around, but that was, that's probably the most recent major, uh, you know, bummer meltdown on the message boards. It, it really tracks for us that most of the, the top traffic days on the lair were after like bad things happen because it <laughs> supports our theory that pit fans are so conditioned to misery that they seek it out um and and on our side it's kind of manifested in i don't want to say like our big breakthrough because it was like the first time we topped like a hundred listeners which we thought was a huge deal was after western michigan (laughs) because anybody that knew us tuned in to listen to us just sulk and and play sound of silence in the intro and just cry and bitch and moan and i (laughs) 
I think pit fans are mesochists. I I think that it, would you would you agree, or is that just kind of something that is consistent across college football fan bases? I, I mean, I think for sports fans in general, I mean, there's only so many times you can say like "hooray" or like "that win was great," but man, there's a million ways you can say that sucked. You know what I mean? Like a game that that lose when you lose a game, like you can tear that thing apart all day. I mean, how much fun is it to be like? boy uh Kenny Pickett slide play that was really cool huh you know or, or AJ Woods interception that was great I mean that's one post and he gets maybe two replies but if you say like this guy sucked in this game boy that's a thread to go you know why would you kick a field goal there that thread will go on for four pages you know it's there's a lot more ways to talk about losses than there are to talk about wins. And, you know, I think that's and you see it on social media. I think you see it from all, all the teams. You know what I mean? You see it from you know, Steelers fans, you see, you know, Pirates fans and Penguins. I mean, all college sports for sure. There's just so many more things to pick apart in a loss than there are a win. And, you know, again, I, I think you get tired of being like, hey, that was awesome. That's kind of the end of the conversation, you know, as opposed to like, that sucked. Let's talk about that. So I, I think that you definitely get more traffic and conversation out of the out of the losses, unfortunately. Well, now that we've discussed all the the trauma from my childhood as a pit fan and these <laughs> even these last few years not even just my childhood um do want to look a, a little bit of ahead you know we have you on we'd be uh, remiss to not discuss you know what's going on with the program right now um looking towards next season uh this is a big question that we've been talking about um more so like amongst ourselves just trying to time things up do you have any insight or not even insight just thoughts on when you think uh pat narduzzi will name a starting quarterback for next season publicly as as late as he possibly can you know I mean I think he named Max Brown the starter like midway through training camp in August and I mean like nobody thought Ben DiNucci was going to start over Max Brown you know it was like like come on what are we what are we doing here and I think probably the same expectation exists with Slovis with Keaton Slovis and Nick Patty I mean I think you know Keaton Slovis didn't transfer here to be the backup it didn't try to go get him to be the backup and and I like Nick Patty a lot and you know I think if he plays in the Peach Bowl, they win the Peach Bowl. You know, if he's able to play the entire game. Shoot, if they don't kick the freakiest kickoff of all time that hits the ground and just dies at the one, if it's just a normal kickoff that rolls into the end zone like it was supposed to be, he might have scored a touchdown on his first drive too. And then who knows, that might be enough cushion for them to win if he scores, you know, on the first two drives and still busts his shoulder. Maybe that's enough to, to hold on for a win. So I, I like Nick Patty. I think he's produced when he's gotten opportunities, but I think, you know, Slovis, I think is obviously the guy with more arm talent with, uh, you know, more experience. He's thrown a lot more passes. He's played in a lot more, you know, a lot bigger stages and a lot more often. He's the obvious choice. I think to everyone to in the program, outside the program, I don't know, you know, you're past the point where Patty would transfer. I would think, unless I guess he could go as a grad transfer and play somewhere right away, but it's going to be late in the game for him to do that. So I don't think you're trying to protect against that. You want to keep them both engaged in the competition. So maybe you hold off announcing it for a couple of weeks, but I, I don't see, I'd be surprised if Pat Narduzzi goes into the West Virginia game saying it's going to be a game time decision or listing them as, or starters. Um, I, I would guess, second week of camp, maybe third week of camp, you know, probably with another week or so left, he'll, he'll announce it. Um, I, I'm not sure really what would precipitate it. Maybe he gets voted a captain or something like that. Narduzzi feels, feels like it would be weird to have a captain be your like, you know, backup quarterback or a non-named starter. But to me, I mean, I, I think he'll name it at some point in the middle of camp, but he'll wait as long as he possibly can. And look, I, you know, seven years in now, eight years in, 
I've given up on trying to figure out the psychology of Pat Narduzzi and, and some of his decisions with something like that. Like th- there are things, decisions he makes in terms of what he says publicly or what he does publicly. And I'm just like, but why, what, what, yeah. what are you gaining from this particular decision? And, and I've given up on trying to, to figure it out. So who knows? He might, maybe he will wait. Maybe he'll wait until like the, you know, the game at Western Michigan and he'll just keep playing the or game all that way. If I had to bet though, it'll probably be like second or third week of camp and, and he'll, he'll name Slovis as the starter. I was going to say, I, I think your answer that you gave made the most sense, but halfway through, I was thinking like part of me just hopes that Narduzzi pulls uh back when Urban Meyer had JT Barrett and Cardell Jones, he waited until like, they trotted them out for the first drive and no one knew uh, part of me hopes Narduzzi just pulls one of those just for, just for the dramatics. It would, uh, I mean, I can only imagine the, the threads on the layer if, if that happens. No. Oh, yeah. And he'll have them like both in the huddle with helmets on like that first huddle before they go on the field, they both, they'll both start to run and then one will peel back or so, or, or they'll do put them like both a, out there, a wildcat or something. Exactly. Put both of them out there, maybe both in the backfield. Like who are they going to snap it to? I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't put it past anybody. It would be ridiculous, but I wouldn't put it past him. I think what I landed on was uh, in the last press conference before the West Virginia game, he gets asked and he'll respond snarkily. I don't know. You'll have to get a ticket and come find out on uh, Thursday. So <laughs> internally, they'll probably know, but I can see him playing some mind games just because it is a, a rivalry game. and He's done that with yeah. basically every rivalry game in the past. Yeah, he'll, he'll be like, I don't know, Jerry, you tell me. Who do you think? Who, who would you start, Jerry? That's probably – it'll be something like that. Either way, I think um, the quarterback position has a has a pretty high floor this year, and our play is going to be heavily dictated um, by our the, – the, the level that they rise to, you know, and, and if, if Slovis is the guy and can kind of blow everyone out of the water, this is a team that can make playoff noise. Uh, but even if Nick – Patty starts and he he plays to the caliber that we've seen. This is, you know, a, a decent team. Uh, but what really interests me is kind of some of the buzz that Pitt has generated um, on the recruiting trail, trail for quarterbacks. We have Kenny Minchie, who was lights out at the Elite 11. And then, you know, we set our sights on Jakari Williams, so class of 2024. Um, however, with Minchie, um, we started to hear some rumors, and I, I think there was – you know, something on the, on the layer today about other schools that might potentially be interested in him. Have you, have you heard anything to that extent, or is it really just kind of fabricated media from uh, you know, other, other schools, rival pages that are like, Hey, we don't have a quarterback. What if we could just steal this kid from Pitt? because to us, they are still Pitt. Yeah. I mean, probably a little bit of both. I, I think like, you know, Notre Dame was the one that got mentioned, right, as, as possibly showing some interest or, or, you know, looking at Kenny Minchie. I think if you are covering Notre Dame football right now and you see there's an Elite 11, you know, top eight kid who uh, is committed to Pitt and you don't have a quarterback committed, well, that's a guy you're going to look at as, well, this is, this is a target that Notre Dame could go after. I do know that, I mean – you know, pretty much from the time he committed, the pit coaches were pretty convinced they would be in a battle that they would have to fight to hold on to him. That other school, other schools would get involved. And to some extent, like something like the elite 11 almost hurts a little bit because it adds exposure. It, it brings more exposure to a guy. Not that, you know, I'm sort of, I'm definitely convinced that everybody knows about everybody that particularly a quarterback uh, committed to a power five school out of Tennessee. I mean, he's not buried at some, you know, random hidden program in South Dakota, um, he's committed to a power five school. He's at a, you know, a prominent high school that, that's going to get noticed. And so it wouldn't, 
it's not like he would actually be under the radar, but he goes out and has a performance like that. Is that going to cause and you know other Power Five quarterback coaches and offense coordinators to take another look? Probably, and you know that that's going to happen. And is, if he has a great senior season and the film gets out there, there are going to be late pushes that are probably made to try and try and swing him away. Just like with, you know, even like a guy like Kenny Pickett, you know, five years ago, six years ago, the story about North Carolina trying to get in after, after Matt Canada left. So I think Pitt knows and has known that they're going to be in a battle to hold on to him. That's probably going to be the case with a lot of their guys, to be quite honest. Minchie seems really solid with Pitt. They seem, he seems really sold on Pitt, but you know, if a school like Notre Dame comes coming or comes calling, it's hard not to take a look at that. So it's something I think you have to keep an eye on uh, as you go through the summer and particularly as he goes through his fall season and you just have to fight and try and hold on, hold on until December. And, and you know, some of these guys are not going to hang on. Some of these June commitments are not going to hang on. It's happened every year that they're going to lose a couple of guys. I mean, they lost a June mm-hmm. before June even ended. So it's going to happen. You'd like it not to happen with your quarterback, you know, as you're trying to actually rebuild the position and not just rely on transfers all the time. Uh, but you know, who knows, like I said, I think it's, it's going to be a battle. And obviously the game has changed even more with, with NIL deals because it's even more competitive and you're going to have to be more competitive to hold on to your guys. Uh, but for now, Minchie's still set with Pitt. It seems like he's solid with them and, you know, but it's one of those things like, yes, he's solid today, but circumstances could change tomorrow. Circumstances could change in an hour, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's recruiting, which somehow has gotten even weirder this summer than it was before, which it was already a pretty weird enterprise to begin with. Right. And, and the, the word on the street about Minchie and by the word on the street, I mean, what you have reported uh, on your, your writings and podcasts is that Kenny Minchie hated the entire like concept of the recruiting process. He was not about it, which is, is weird because now we have kids who are, um, you know, tweeting out their top 18 because it's, it's something that they know will get, 30 year old fans gassing them up in their replies. Uh, how, how rare is that these days? Yeah. I mean, most guys, he is, he's, he's pretty, he's pretty rare. He's pretty unique in not really being all that interested in, in being recruited. I mean, that's a weird thing to do. I mean, Lamar Seymour, the wide receiver committed or announced his commitment on Monday. He committed to Pitt while he was still technically committed to Miami. A few days later, decommitted from Miami publicly after he already committed to Pitt, a few days later announced his top five which mm-hmm. was like a week and a half or two weeks after he had committed to Pitt. And then finally this past Monday announced his commitment. I mean, it's, it's a weird time for recruiting recruits are doing a lot of weird things this month. And Kenny Minchie's just like, nah, I'm going to stay out all that. I'm not really that interested. He doesn't tweet a whole lot. He, I think he tweeted his offers. He obviously tweeted his commitment when he made it, but I don't think he really, he, he doesn't seem to be too into that sort of uh social side of it that that you know pump yourself up side of it and he doesn't seem like you know i think he stays in contact with the pit coaches but i don't think he's really doing much beyond that it's just not his it's not what he's into for whatever reason i guess his focus is on football which i mean that's seems like a good not a bad thing yeah right i love to hear that out of a quarterback commit but back to the crazier side of recruiting i got a two-part question for you one how many times would you estimate that you've been asked about Hakeem Williams? And two, uh, what's the latest? What's the the, the realistic chances? <laughs> how many? Well, uh, what, however many times I've been asked, I, I have to add one more now because uh, I'll, I'll add your question to it. No, it was funny. I mean, I just did the live stream this week, and I didn't even mention anything about Hakeem Williams, but it's a question that comes up 
every week of like, what's going on? What's, what's the latest? I mean, I, I think, you know, kind of like, I, I'm sure you guys have heard me say this, like, I think Pitt is in much stronger position than anybody nationally is giving them credit for. I think when he came out of June, having only taken two official visits, one to Georgia and one to Pitt, I think that opened some eyes. Um, and I think as people kind of talk to more sort of sources and people around Williams or people around colleges and college coaches, I, I think they kind of found like, whoa, Pitt's actually in serious position here. The thing is, like, unless unless I'm completely misreading Williams, I think any of these like five star guys and a lot of the four stars and probably even some of the three stars, you're going to have to play the game and you're probably going to have to have some kind of NIL deal in place. And I don't know if Pitt wants to play that game. I don't know if they've been playing that game. Maybe they have and all 16 guys who have announced their commitments, all 18 commitments, because there's the two unannounced guys. Maybe those guys all have NIL deals in place and they're all going to get 200 grand when they get to Pitt. I don't think that's the case. Uh, but I think when you're, if you're going to recruit at a high level and you're going to go after one of these top guys in the country, like Hiking Williams, you've got the relationships. He loves your campus. Everybody's happy with everybody. Everybody's a family. It feels like home. All those things are great. You've got an offense that's going to feature him. He's going to play right away. All these things are great, but it's 2022 and there's another piece of the puzzle. And, and I think if you don't fill in that piece of the puzzle, at least in some competitive way, I think it's going to be tough to land a guy like him or anybody else kind of in that stratosphere of recruits, because you might not want to do it. You might want to walk a certain line and that's cool, but the schools you're going against are not going to walk that line. The schools you're going against are going to do those things because they, to, to land that kid. And so I think if you want to be competitive, you got to have the relationships. You got to have it feel like home. It's got to be like family. Taekwon Underwood done a great job. Charlie Parchers has done a great job. Patterns, they've done everything right but I don't think you can do it without that piece of the puzzle. Now, this is not to say that they have not been involved in NIL discussions with, with hiking Williams. I don't know if they have or haven't, I don't know how they're choosing to operate this, uh, this recruiting cycle on that front, but I think it'd be pretty hard to land someone like him. Um, and, and, and it's not just him. I, I think, like I say, five stars, most, maybe all four stars, probably a lot of the three stars guys who have a lot of options, you're going to have to play that game and you're going to have to be. And, and I think wherever he ends up, there's probably some element of element of that at play. And so that's something that's kind of lurking behind or looming over pretty much everything that's going on in recruiting this summer. Yeah. So Chris, I mean, gave all the reasons why Pitt's going to be in a, quite the battle for Hakeem Williams, but let's just fast forward a year from now. He signed the, sign a letter of intent, he's coming to the University of Pittsburgh. This would be Pitt's biggest recruiting win since blank. I mean, geez. I don't know, because, I mean, like, the other five stars they've gotten, you know, Dorian Johnson and Jonathan Baldwin were Western PA kids, which you're always going to have, you know, I mean, Baldwin was out of Aliquippa back when Pitt just pretty much got whoever they wanted from Aliquippa. Um, back in the day, Johnson was – you know, he was going to Penn State. You know, he was committed to Penn State until everything happened, kind of fell out there, and and he ended up at Pitt. Boy, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they've won some big recruiting battles. I mean, DeMar Hamlin was a huge win in, in 2016. Uh, holding on to Jordan Addison was pretty big because he had some late pushes from some guys. I know Larry Fitzgerald had a lot of – I mean, I think he had some serious interest when, when Pitt got him. Boy. I don't know. I mean, even like a guy like LaShawn McCoy, it was like LaShawn McCoy the second time around where he wasn't 
the LaShawn McCoy he had been, you know, the previous year, I can't really, you know, I guess it would be one of the five-star guys just because, you know, Johnson could have gone anywhere in the country, Dorian Johnson. So, so maybe him, but even then, like I say, it comes with the caveat of being in Western PA. I mean, this truly would, you know, break this, this would break records. <laughs> you know, I think we talked a lot about Dior Johnson being like the, the biggest recruiting win for Pitt forever or something like that. I mean, and this would be, this would be bigger. If Pat Narduzzi and his group can uh, pull it off. So there's just no precedent for something like this. No, no. I mean, like, uh, unless you want to go back to the the good old days of like the late seventies, you get guys like Tony Dorsett and stuff like that. When you get them, you know, p- possibly through nefarious uh, means. I mean, the, the old style of, you know, NIL deals, but um, you know, no, there's nothing that really comes to mind that, that's on the level. I mean, anybody I would come up with. Yeah. They, they were guys that maybe they were four-star kids. They had good, good offers, national offers, but I mean, you're talking about a top 15 guy nationally and Pitt is, I mean, you know, they just, they, they haven't operated in that territory pretty much. I mean, you know, again, since like the late, the late 1970s. So, you know, even if we, we don't get him, I think even being in the conversation is kind of a big deal for Pitt and Pitt's brand. Um, and with realignment going on, and I know we could spend half of the day talking about that, um, it's it's kind of brought back into focus, you know, the worth of a school's brand. Uh, what is the, the biggest uh, roadblock facing Pitt in terms of growing its brand, both in the city of Pittsburgh and, you know, on a broader level as a, a football school at this moment. Yeah. The city of Pittsburgh has been a, a tough nut to crack and, and they've tried so many different ways to kind of like attach themselves to the city. I mean, you guys, uh, I don't know if you remember, like they had the, the, my city, my Panthers campaign. It was like their, their ad campaign. They put that all over the buses, my city, my Panthers, which was sort of hilariously reappropriated Brian Backo from the post Gazette that night that Robert Morris beat Kentucky and like the NIT or whatever it was started uh, tweeting my township, my colonials, which I just thought was brilliant work by, uh, by Brian <laughs> to take the, my city, my Panthers uh, 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 slogan that way. So, I mean, they've, they've tried stuff like that. They've tried different ticketing packages because they know like you've got the base of pit fans who, who are going to be there that 40,000 or however many pit fans that are going to come for just about every game. But if you really want to fill Heinz Field or, excuse me, Acrisure? Acrisure? Heinz Field's fine. Heinz Shore. If you really want to fill, uh, you know, the stadium, let's call it the stadium. If you really want to fill it, you have to get that sort of casual Pittsburgh sports fan to get those other, you know, 15,000 to really make the place seem packed. Um, And that's that's tough. They just haven't been able to to grasp that or, or get a hold in that market. You know, their biggest years. And I think prior to the 2003 season, they were ranked top 10. They had Larry Fitzgerald and they had a really attractive home schedule. And you need, you really need that sort of perfect confluence of events to sell the season tickets and then compel people to come out to the games. And, you know, we saw the efforts they put into the Clemson game this last year. And it's, it's tough. I mean, even that game, it should have been bigger. There there should have been a bigger crowd for that. And that was a great crowd. And, And it felt like a great crowd. They did a great job with that but I felt like it could have even been bigger. And so in the city of Pittsburgh, they have to keep winning and winning at a high level. And even then they're not going to get 60,000 consistently. I, I think if they could get through a season and average 50 plus, that's a great year attendance wise. And, and I mean, you guys have been in games there where there's 50,000 people. It feels great. It's a great atmosphere at the stadium. So that's not a bad number to shoot for. 
Um, but you just, you have to have that consistent success to pull it off as far as Pitt's brand nationally. I mean, I think this last year went a whole, a long way in doing that. You got, you know, you were a top 15 program. You had a Heisman trophy finalist, Boletnikoff award winner. You won the conference. You need to be in those conversations sort of annually. You need to be one of the teams that's sort of always talked about. I, I feel like Michigan state to some extent has, has that, you know, because they, they were able to succeed pretty consistently for a while there under Mark D'Antonio. Um, but you need to, play yourself into that level where you're not losing three games every year where, you know, you keep it under three losses where, where three losses is really your down year um, where you're just losing, you know, you're, you're going 10 and two pretty consistently and keeping yourself in the top 20, top 15 regularly competing for and or winning the ACC. And then eventually at some point you got to make a push into the playoffs. I mean, if you really want to make yourself a national football brand, I think you have to be able to compete at that level and, and get there a couple of times. You know what I mean? Like not just this one-off like Michigan state and Washington had where, you know, you make it somehow and you get offered up to Alabama and they slaughter you in the first round. You've got to be able to get there, not consistently, but you've got to be in that conversation pretty regularly. And that's probably one of the things that, you know, if the ACC really is sort of in place for the next 14 years because of the grant of rights, then Pitt's got a little bit of a window here to try and establish themselves as a consistent contender in the ACC and beyond whether they can pull it off. I, I don't know, because I, I think as you know, we kind of talked about with Hakeem Williams, the landscape has gotten more competitive with NIL deals. And if you take off the limits on scholarship counts on, on rosters or take off the initial scholarship counters and the limits there, it's going to get even tougher because even more of the top guys are going to go to some other schools. So it's, I, I don't know, it's challenging for Pitt. There's probably a sweet spot they can settle into. But right now it's all about putting on, you know, your, 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 your prettiest face to make yourself appealing to somebody who might want to uh, take you into another conference or somehow find a way to make more money for the ACC. So it sounds like you think winning is the answer. See, I was going to say tarps in the upper deck, but uh, I thought that might get it down. So, I mean, it it could connect, it could connect because if you tarp the upper deck, you force more people into the the lower bowl, it creates a better atmosphere. The atmosphere impresses recruits more, better recruits come to your school, then you win more games. So, I mean, tarps, you know, through a few steps, tarps do equal winning more games. So, yeah, it's all right. And then our fans can all wear one color shirt. And I heard that helps a lot. I mean, like, did you see, was there some announcement that I missed that this is like color out day? It was like, Tuesday or Wednesday this week where all these schools announced their like color out day all on the same day. Did you guys see this on Twitter? I feel like it all happened on the same day that like Purdue announced and Penn state announced. And uh, I forgot who else. Like, Ohio eight. state's having a blackout or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Maybe it was just all like uh, all the big 10 schools announced it on the same day or something. I was like, what, what is going on here? But Pitt, I mean, I mean, Pitt has a pretty basic cut. Look, three of us wore a blue shirt for this. I mean, it can't be that hard to get, you know, if we can get three out of the four of us without even like talking about ahead of a time to wear the same color shirt, Pitt should be able to pull that off with like, you know, at least 40,000 people wearing a blue shirt at the same time. And it would look great. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful Royal blue. It really is. We, we don't talk enough about how good that uh, like logo and color rebrand was. That was, that was big. Well, so, I mean, I I've, I've said this more times than I can count. My thing is like, they had the perfect uniform. Yes. The, the retro that they wore in 2017, yes. 17, 18, they were perfect. They were literally, they were without flaw. I mean, it was like, it was like, Jessica Alba circa 1999. I mean, there, there was no 
imperfect man i feel really old that i just said that you guys <laughs> no, no 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 we we got the picture we, we got mean, the picture she I mean, was around she was around during our formative years so we were aware I can't believe I just used that reference. You, you guys said you edit these. Just, just skip that part, right? <laughs> no, but like, no, that's saying it. Really, they, they were flawless. I mean, the first time they wore them in that Georgia Tech game in 2016, it was like, oh my God, look at these things. And when they first busted out the road ones at Penn State in 2017, it was like, wow, that's actually even better than the home uniforms. They didn't need to change it. They didn't need to do anything. You don't have to change the font. You don't have to change the cathedral arches or anything. You have a perfect uniform there's no need for change it's still really good because they got the colors right but like you had a perfect uniform i i i wish they hadn't changed that i wish at some point they could rebrand back to that because it was it really was without flaw i can kind of understand wanting to tweak it a little bit to modernize it but i do agree with you those I, for some reason, the first person I think of in those uniforms is Brian O'Neill. But when yes. I when I think back to because I, I think he had a, a that guy touchdown in them. Um, yeah. But when you think back, those are the most perfect uniforms ever conceived by gods or men. Yes, they, they are. I mean, like there's nothing. And I mean, you can talk about some iconic looks in college football, but that's right up there. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll put that against, you know, anything you want to, you want to pick, you want to pick Ohio state or Texas. I mean, I love USC's uniforms, you know, Michigan of course is iconic. Penn state is iconic. That look was perfect and iconic. And, and it, it was, it was a timeless look. I mean, I could go on and on about it, but I'm not going to, but yeah, Brian O'Neill caught a lateral in that Georgia tech game. That was awesome. That was uh, tremendous. That was much better than his uh, other touchdown that year where he took like a handoff against Virginia tech and they ended up losing that game. So, you know, just focus on the uh, Georgia tech touchdown. Absolutely. What I'm getting at is you're not a fan of the all golds they wore back in like 2004 or five, whatever that was. I mean, I like for nostalgia. Sure. You know, like there's, there's a nostalgic appeal to those. I feel like the gold didn't match. Right. I think the pants and the shirt were like a slightly different hue of gold. I mean, they, that was, that was bad. I mean, those were terrible. Uh, But um, you know, overall, I mean, I've liked the different uniform combinations they've come up with. I like the, the all whites that they wore. I never really cared for the all blue, like the Navy all blues. I think they had them in the, the Miami game in 2017. Like, I didn't really care for that. I like when they would do the Navy top on the white pants. I was cool with that. The the matte blue, whatever. But again, you don't need any of that stuff. You have the perfect uniform. So just stick with it. You know, even, even the ACC championship game in, in 2018, as bad as that was, at least they looked good. You know, they had the right uniforms on. Yeah, I'll think of that every once in a while when I throw on like an old upset of like a Pitt versus Clemson or some other upset. It's like, this would be a lot cooler if we were in the actual uniforms, not just all white with weird that goofy font they had. Yeah. Those, I don't know who, who passed that, but that, those were atrocious. Well, the funny thing is if you drive around Oakland now, uh, the, the younger kids, like the 18, 19 year olds are now wearing like the early 2000s gear because it's retro. And we spent years talking about how gross and ugly you know, that whole package was, you know, the, the, the dino cat or whatever. And now, now it's, I guess, back in. So how long before we are throwing on a dino cat helmet for a game and it's like our throwback night? I mean, hopefully never. I mean, I don't think there's any reason to like some things that are old are just cool being old. Like they don't have to be retro. They don't have to like 
come back. I mean, it's it, it, some things can die. You know what I mean? Like you can just let things die. And, and those and I know Jim Hammett loves the dino cat and I'm pretty sure it's ironic. But I mean, you know, good for him. Uh, you know, just let it die. It doesn't need to come back. Bring back the tooth logo. How about that? Just bring back the uh, that, you know, that tooth logo that they would have right at the V of the helmet. It was like this weird. It wasn't even like the secondary logo. It was like the third or fourth logo that just randomly go up on like a hat or like right there at the neckline bring that back occasionally but but again i mean i just think you should wear the same uniform all year because you have the perfect uniform you know if you don't have the perfect uniform then yeah you should switch it up all the time and do different things like they did in like 2015 and 2016 and you know 2014 when they would do different combinations like that was great they were like 10 different uniform combinations you don't need to do that if you have you know the you guys ever seen no country for old men you know, Coen Brothers yeah, yeah. movie. There's a line when uh, you know Javier Bardem is in the that whatever executive's office, and he's like, "Why would you send something else when you have the best tool in the chest?" I mean, you don't need to send the Mexicans to go get the dope money if you've got you know Anton Chigurh, right? I mean, that those uniforms are the Anton Chigurh of college football uniform, at least as far as pick goes. They're the best. They're they're the best that there is. So I don't think there's anything more I can say about that. I think I've made my point. <laughs> I've often said that Pitt is the Anton Sugar of college football. So I'm, I'm glad that someone's on the same page as me. I don't know. He, he's not as clumsy at times as, uh, as Pitt is. I, I think there's a certain clumsiness and fumbling, you know, Anton Sugar would never fumble on the first like six possessions against Georgia tech. So, you know, he would never, uh, he would never have a missed extra point cost him not one, but two games in, in my, uh, you know, in the last 11 years. So, or 12 years. So, uh, I, I don't think that's exactly uh, perfect. I, I like the Death Star idea that that everybody always comes back to. The, the Alex Kirshner, yeah, right, right. Although, but there were never really any points where the Death Star like would like malfunction. You know what I mean, and just get destroyed by a top ranked team. Which you know, I mean, Kenny Pickett threw for eight yards against Clemson, right? I, I don't think the Death Star was exactly functioning on that particular day. So it's not a perfect metaphor. I, I'm still searching for the perfect uh, metaphor for what Pitt is. Maybe it's undefinable. It's Pitt. It's Pit is pit, you know. I don't know. The original Death Star also had like a hole on the side of the building that was a self-destruct button. So I think that feels like an apt analogy. It was a I get I get, but like it was sort of like intentionally placed there. Although I guess if you want to like push that forward, like well, Pit has sabotaged themselves. But no, like there are weird forces at play at times. Like how, how do you have like three onside kicks recovered in a game? How do you fumble on the first five possessions of a game? How do you lose a game in overtime on a missed extra point? How do you lose a big East championship game on a missed extra point? How do you foul on a, on a free throw? Yeah. I mean, like there, there are some things that, you know, I, I'm not saying they're mystical. Cause I, I don't, you know, get into that with like pit fans from like, Oh, this is what Pitt does you know, sometimes just weird stuff happens and, and I can't really put my finger on it. Nobody intends for, you know, Andrew Ginoco to drop the snap. It just, it just, it just happens, you know, nobody intends for, there were like random things like, uh, you know, 2000, 2007, they're playing at like Louisville and they're at the one about to go in for a game tying or game winning touchdown. And LaShawn McCoy fumbles at the one. Nobody chose for that to happen. You know, like that, weird scientist in rogue one didn't specifically plant that you know what i mean it just it just happens it happens you know it's just weird stuff that just happens so I, I don't know there is maybe there is no analogy it's just it's just pit that was that was beautiful in that <laughs> it was really really triggering and scarring because you just rattled off like 
eight examples of of situations where no team could potentially find a way to screw up and lose and and our our Pitt Panthers did it. I didn't even bring up Virginia Tech in 2017. I mean they 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 were like competent enough to throw a touchdown to a backup tight end walk on who was serving as the long snapper on field goals. Remember they ran a fake field goal and threw a touchdown to this guy. They, they could pull that off, but they couldn't score on four tries from the one Jester. We a track star couldn't run into the end zone and they couldn't score on four tries from the one. I don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense. You know, it, like it just, and then some of the things that seem like they don't make sense, like 2017 in Syracuse, Right, Max Brown gets hurt. Ben DiNucci has to play. Ben DiNucci, somehow his chin strap comes off and his helmet pops off. And Kenny Pickett has to come into the game. Well, that ended up leading – that would be one of those things like, oh, that's the weirdest thing. How could that happen? They blew his red shirt. And, I mean, Ben DiNucci doesn't beat Miami at the end of that year. So it almost had to implode in order for the even better good thing to happen. I, I've, I've given up. I've given up trying to make sense of it. I mean, like 17 years, I've been trying to make sense of some of the things that, that have happened. And I just, you just got to throw your hands up sometimes. This is why being a Pitt fan is the best. You <laughs> might not always describe it as the best, but all everything you just went through, that's why it's the best. I, I remember during the, right before the COVID year, we had one of the draft up a thread to like, when when there was still a point where like the Big Ten wasn't going to play, Pac-12 wasn't going to play, we were going to try to convince other fan bases to root for Pitt because we thought one, we thought they were going to be really good that year, and two, like there's all these quirky, weird things that happen with Pitt that uh, trying to expose the you know the the rest of the country to about just how goofy and fun fun air quotes it is. I mean, it's 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 never boring. I mean, I think we can say that, right? Like, I, I can't remember a time when when it's been boring to follow these, these teams. I mean, even like, uh, I mean, even basketball last year, I, uh, you know, they, they had that three game winning streak. It's like, Holy cow, this is, they're doing great. And they're coming home on a Saturday to play Georgia tech and Georgia tech sucks. And this is, you know, they're going to, and just like, you know, just fall flat on their face. It's like, well, I didn't see that coming. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, they rarely do what you expect them to do. I mean, it's, you know, rare occasions where like, yeah, I thought they were going to get killed in that game and they did, but it's always surprising. <laughs> it's always interesting. That's why we can't look away, right? Because you never really know what's going to happen next. Oh, God, it's beautiful. It is beautiful <laughs> and awful. It's it's the whole range of, of you know, the, the human experience in one 60-minute game with the Panthers. Um, hopefully we have paid enough for our, our past sins uh, that, you know, last year was a, a symbol of what can be. Um, but you know, second to last question, cause we've got two more for you. Uh, do you think that is the case? That is my way of asking what are, what do you, what is your outlook for the 2022 season? I, I mean, I think it's like you said, it, it just comes back to the quarterback. Uh, I mean, the, the comparison I made a, a week or two ago is like, if you look at Pitt and Clemson in 2020 and 2021, they both like, like Pitt in 2020 and 2021 was largely the same team, you know, Clemson in 2020 and 2021 was largely the same team. They had, Losses, of course, but they returned most of their key guys. They, they pretty much had the same team. The difference being the play at quarterback. You know what I mean? It was great for Clemson in 2020, and they obviously went and did what they did. It was not great for Pitt in 2020, and they had the season they had. Fast forward a year, Clemson's quarterback play is poop, and they have a not good season. Pitt's quarterback play is great, and they have the best season in 40 years. You've got 
everybody you could want back. Well, minus one guy. You've got everybody you could want back from last year's roster other than Kenny Pickett, you know? Jordan Addison, losing him is a blow, but I, I still think they have really good receivers on this team. Love the running backs. Uh, you know, Gavin Bartholomew is, is really good. We know about the offensive line. The defense, got to rebuild at linebacker, but I'm pretty bullish on those uh, um, on, on those outside linebackers. You know, Solomon DeShields and Bengali Kamara. All these pieces are in place. It's just the quarterback. It, it's just going to come down to whether Keaton Slovis can play in an, an above-average level because – you need somebody who can win a shootout against Tennessee. The more I, the more I look at Tennessee or watch some of these clips of Hendon Hooker, uh, I mean, I, I like the personnel on Pitt's defense, but it's still Pitt's defense, and it's still the defensive scheme, and they're still going to give up points, and they're still going to give up long passes against talented quarterbacks and effective quarterbacks. It's, it's still going to happen. You're going to have to win a shootout, I think, against Tennessee. You're probably going to have to win a shootout against Miami. You need a quarterback who can pull that off. And when it came down to it, they lost the Miami game last year, missed a bunch of tackles in the first quarter, which gave staked Miami a big lead, still had a chance to pull it off. And Kenny Pickett, you know, kind of messed up, threw some bad picks, you know, and that, that just illustrates, by the way, we don't, we don't, we don't say, we don't admit to Kenny's mistakes ever on this show, but continue. Well, the, the, the scorebook would show that at some point an interception was thrown at what might've been an optimal time in the, the game. Anyway, the play of the quarterback, it, it just really comes back to that. And it's such a cliche and, and it's, it's doesn't take a very smart person to come up with it. But I think when you look at all the pieces they have in place, they should win the coastal again. They should be able to compete for and or win the ACC again. And if things go right, particularly in the non-conference, they should be in the conversation at the very least coming to the end of the regular season as a possible, you know, having a shot at the playoffs, those things, should happen because you have the team back from last year that got to those, you know, that effectively reached that level. You just need to play at quarterback. So if Keen Slovis is really good this year, I, th- I think the sky is the limit. You know, I obviously don't go blow it in Kalamazoo. You're going to be playing a night game against a Mac team. It's a terrible situation. You should not be doing this. Of course, Western Michigan would make that a primetime game, or I guess Western Michigan probably didn't do it. TV did it. But, you know, of course, it's going to be walking into a hornet's nest out there. Don't blow it there. Take care of business against West Virginia and and win that shootout against Tennessee, and you've given yourself a real shot to really kind of reach for that next level. Again, if the quarterback play is on point, because I do feel like everything else – is is in place so as Slovis goes so goes Pitt just like as Pickett went so went Pitt so I mean that's that's really what it's what it's going to come down to I think this year yeah I I think we we can all get on board with that uh I think that's kind of where everyone who is really adept with this program uh, and, you know, not just a national talking head who goes, ah, no, can you pick it? No Addison, they'll suck again. Uh, I think people were knowledgeable about the program. That is how they feel uh, about, you know, the potential for this year. Yeah. And, and, and you, you see some like signs of it, like Phil Steele has started talking up pit a little bit. I think some of the ACC people are, you know, grudgingly are, are talking up pit a little bit. They hate talking about teams outside the triangle unless it's Clemson. Um, so it's, it's been hard for them, but they've been overcoming their grief and talking a little bit more about what pit should have. But I mean, you know, if he plays well, they, they should be really good. You know, I mean, they, they really should be really good, but who knows? We, they haven't had that, uh, 
perfect non-conference season ever since they joined a conference. I don't count 2020. So maybe this is the year they finally pull that off. It should be. But again, can you win a shootout with Tennessee? Can you win a shootout with Miami? Those are the things that's what it's going to come down to. Fingers crossed on all that. Um, yeah, this could, uh, you know, we've, we've said this really could be the year that, uh, that pit catapults its, its profile. If we can do it again, fingers crossed. Um, it'll be interesting to see. This is why we came up with the catchphrase last year. Please win. Just please win one week at a time. Please beat West Virginia. And then one, one week at a time. Don't ask for too much at once. Yeah. You're saying you just want to be one and oh each week. And exactly. Uh, are you going to tweet out the name of the opponent each week, like you know, thirty times? Is is that the plan for for twenty two? Akron, 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 Akron. <laughs> yeah. Western Michigan, Western Michigan, Western Michigan. Whenever we're playing undefeated Miami in the last week of the season, Pat Narduzzi will say this is just like whenever we played Delaware last year. They're all the same. <laughs> exactly. Illinois, exactly. Illinois, Illinois, Illinois. Yeah. I feel like that bit has been uh, taken though. So you got, you might have to find a different way to. Uh, yeah, you're right. Maybe just tweet out four photos of like the team's logo or something that Pitt is playing that week. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the goal is to be one and zero this week with four like, uh, who's a Rhode Island four Rhode Island logos. You know what I mean? Maybe that's a move. I don't even know if they have that many. <laughs> well, four of the same one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, yeah, yeah. <laughs> four, four images. Change, change something in one of them and be like, can you find the image that's different? It'll be a game. We're actually, this is a really good brainstorming session here of uh, mid in-season games to play. Like find the six differences between the Rhode Island logos. and see Yeah. That. And if honestly, if you want to buy out the loyal sons, all of these ideas can be yours. <laughs> no, I know. I don't want to step on your uh, bit. I want to be on Twitter less, not more. So I'm going to let you guys uh, take care of that. And, you know, you can handle it. We're we're there for it. That's that's kind of our our home base. Um, because God knows we aren't reporters. We got burned on that uh, partridge tip we got last year, and that kind of ended our journalism days. Um, but that's actually a, a good transition to my last question, and we really appreciate all the time you've given us. Um, but uh, hypothetically, what advice would you give to three young upstarts who are really enthusiastic about pit football? Uh, maybe start a, a podcast, uh, very active on Twitter. What, what kind of advice would you give to this hypothetical young group of loyal sons of Pittsburgh? Uh, just keep doing it. I, I mean, like, just be consistent. You know, I, I think like I see a lot of people on, on Twitter or on social media or will start a blog or start a video series or a podcast and like start out with great ambitions. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this. And every week you can expect this and this and this. And it's cool for like a month or two. And then you're like, Hey, do you remember that guy? Whatever, whatever happened to that guy? Like, I, I think the ones who succeed are the ones who persevere. I mean, you just have to keep going. And, and the great thing about now is like the, the platforms are there. You know what I mean? They're they're You know, YouTube is there. Twitter is there. Instagram is there. There are ways to connect with the audience you're trying to find. There are ways to spread the word about what you're doing. Um, you just have to, you just have to keep doing it and being consistent and just keep putting out a good product too. I guess. Yeah. I, I should have led with that part about like quality since that's actually be, be good. Yes. Be good at it. Step one, do something that people actually want. And so, you know, I think be you, talented. Yeah. I skipped that part because I feel like you guys already have that down. So then it's just about 
keeping it going, just be consistent that people can rely on that oh, every week or, you know, after every game or before every game, I, I know what I'm going to get. You know what I mean? I'm going I, like me. I'm going on vacation next week and I'm like, oh, man, am I going to lose my whole audience because I'm going to go a week without a live stream? You know, because people want to rely on it. They're like my kids and my dogs. People like schedules. You know, they don't like to be thrown off their schedule. So, I mean, I think that's what it comes down to. The, the, the platform is there. So you just have to you just have to build it and then keep giving the people what they want because they'll just consume the, the content and forget about you if you don't have more content for them when they're done with it. So be good, be talented, and keep pushing. Yes, yes. Don't don't stop. Keep keep putting content out there. Keep it flowing. That's the key. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll certainly be uh, be taking that advice because I don't know if you caught, but we we I was referring to us. We are that hypothetical. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think everything I just said, you guys are already doing. So that we was uh, doing the career advice, but yeah, I. I man. I'm All right. Think so. Cut this. We got to start all over. I got to give some advice. Hold on. Let me Google uh, good advice for podcasters and I'll just read from the internet. So Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, Chris, we, we really appreciate the insights. We really appreciate the conversation. This was awesome. Um, listeners, if you do not yet subscribe to the Panther Lair, um, and I, I doubt there is anyone that listens to us and doesn't because we are... We are that kind of niche. Um, do it. Overlap, you know, it's it's our our fanhood is 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 you are a circle, and then we are a very very small circle inside of that circle. Uh, but again, if you do not subscribe and you want updates on pit football and pit basketball, and I assume other things, uh, subscribe to the Panther Lair on Rivals.com. And thanks, guys. This was uh, it was fun. It, it's more fun to do it this way than just me sit and talk for an hour. So. I, uh, I I enjoyed it a lot. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. Thank you. We appreciate Thank you it. Thank you for joining us, Chris. Hail to Pitt. Where it began I can't begin to know But then I know it's growing strong Wasn't the spring And spring became the summer Who'd have believed you'd come along Hand Touching hands Reaching out Touching me Touching you